Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Now to Israel's war with Hamas. There are breaking developments to get to. Israeli Defense Forces are calling on all residents of northern Gaza to evacuate their homes within 24 hours. This word coming to us from the United Nations. That warning affects more than a million people, and it's coming ahead of a feared Israeli ground offensive. Meantime, security is being ramped up after reports the terror group Hamas is calling for a day of rage. No specific credible threats are being reported, but patrols around many Jewish synagogues and schools are being beefed up. I'm standing here today alongside our Israeli friends and all those who reject terror to help find the glimmers of light, even in this moment of deep darkness, and to make clear that as long as there's the United States, Israel will never be alone. Hamas is ISIS, and just as ISIS was crushed, so too will Hamas be crushed. And Hamas should be treated exactly the way ISIS was treated. They should be spit out from the community of nations. No leader should meet them. No country should harbor them. And those that do should be sanctioned. I just share with my colleagues that I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for House Majority Leader Steve Scalise says he is withdrawing from the race for speaker. Republicans narrowly voted to nominate him in a closed-door vote Wednesday. Despite winning, a number of Republicans refused to back him, though, for the larger floor vote, meaning he would not have the votes on the floor to win. It happened pretty quickly. Why is Scalise withdrawing his name instead of trying to negotiate, as Kevin McCarthy did? Krebs from the corner, along with Gergensen's and Caliposo trying to work their way out. Power and Yoki Haru on the back end. They'll defend here. Shot stopped by Levi. Rebound scores. Rebound of Lafreniere. Banked it into the empty net, and the Rangers take the 1 0 lead. Six seconds to go. Sabres have the puck. Down the ice it goes. That'll do it for this game. It's a 5 1 Rangers win on opening night. Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. But uh, today is the second annual Dyspraxia DCD America Radiothon. Danielle, you've done a magnificent job. But this charity was inspired by my son, Gabriel, who was diagnosed as a little boy with dyspraxia. What is your message? My message is um, no matter all the limitations, setbacks, people who make fun of you, just keep trying to do what you want to do. Um, whether it's, you know, playing a sport trying to open a, ta- a can, trying to tie your shoes. Just keep trying, and I promise you, you'll get it because repetition, repetition, it's just, it's, it helped me so much. And if you practice enough, it'll help you too. We love you so much. There's not even a word to describe it. You know that, right? But it's been a very rewarding journey for me and Mommy because uh, there were times we were nervous and we weren't sure. There were times I was nervous too. Of course. But um, to your credit, you've erased all that. And uh, now, now we think you can do anything you want. We do. We love you. Love you, too. Now, you made me cry. We'll take a... Um... Yeah.
How about that little boy, huh, folks? I'm actually uh, wearing today for the second consecutive day one of these beautiful Dysproxia DCD America shirts, which my beautiful wife, Danielle, ordered. And I don't know if you guys know this, Lewis and Noam and Justin, but our very loyal and dear listener, Patty P. Polis, her and her husband, Harry, make these shirts. Yesterday I wore the gray one. Today I'm wearing the lime green one, which Curtis wore yesterday. And if you want to donate, you can still donate today. We had a pretty good day of raising money yesterday. Not great. Not great, but pretty good. You can still donate today at wabcradio.com slash dcd. That's wabcradio.com slash dcd. And uh, Gaby made me cry yesterday. But <laughs> that's, that's part of the course. I'm the John Boehner of radio. Everything makes me cry. But I knew that Gabriel... Touch some hearts, also by the hundreds of comments I received on my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. Follow me on both today. But when I saw my dear, dear friend of, God, over 25 years now, Lou Ruffino, behind the glass, who's got a beautiful, significant other in MJ. They've been together a long time, but no kids. When I saw Lou crying, I said, oh, my God, <laughs> he must have really touched some hearts. And then later on in the day, I'm not going to read it. It's none of your business. Man. But Lou sent me such a beautiful text talking about Gabriel, which I did show to Gaby and Danielle. And uh, Lewis is just one of the greatest people you'll ever meet. Genius, best board op in the history of the business, Hall of Famer dating back 30 years ago to Don Imus. Margo Katzmatidis even knows it. But he's um, you're a special guy, too, Lou. So I wanted to thank this show this morning by thanking you for all your years of friendship and your love and support. Thank you. You're uh, you're welcome. I didn't cry. Oh, you were crying. I didn't cry. No, you did. You cried. I get... Well, well, do you, do you I think get... you're less of a man if you start... You, you were no, crying. Not at all. I have things in my eye from time to time. <laughs> and that yeah. was about yeah. 8 o'clock or something that happens. I just get... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it's when Gabe starts talking, it happens worse. Things just end up in your eye. I think yeah. he could be on the air. He I could. Thinking, I... I was thinking about that. You did that. say I'm that. Not, I think he could end up being on the air. Who knows? Being significantly... Helpful to him. Thank you. That's what I think. No, I know you do. And he um, expresses himself so well. Yeah, and he's calm and collective. Yeah, and And smart. He wants to do this, I think, one day. So who knows? We'll see. We can retire early. Great. Yeah. Thank God. He's only 14, but um, he made us all very, very proud yesterday. So once again, help us today. If you did not donate yesterday, help us today. Talking about crying. I haven't stopped crying since Saturday, since Israel was bombarded by Hamas, and now it's, um, well, it's perverse at this point. More images of the brutality, and Hamas is claiming this morning, I did see this on CNN, Hamas is claiming this morning that the Israeli airstrikes have now resulted in 13 hostages dying. And let me just say this, and I've said this for the last couple of days, and Norma, I know you could attest to this. All this talk about getting the hostages out safely, and I took Joe Biden to task yesterday. Because while clearly the president's heart is in the right place, he's a moron. 
He can't guarantee any hostages' safety. He has no idea where they are. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, maybe not sharing intelligence. But we've known for days that the majority, if not all of these hostages, are underground in tunnels, which in all likelihood are booby-trapped. So the odds of getting to them with some Israeli soldier and getting them out are nil. And on top of that, let's not forget, folks, this is not a war of land. It's not a war of opportunity. This is a war of annihilation. And while no country in the world, in the world, values human life more than Israel, none. Recently, they made a swap, one soldier for a thousand Don't confuse the issue. These hostages will all die if it means complete annihilation of Hamas. That is their number one concern. Yeah, they'll say the right things. Well, we want to do that and get the hostages out. Well, you can't do that. So maybe Hamas is lying. Maybe they're not. But I would think in this move, and I know they're going to start to do this ground and um, incursion soon, 300,000 Israelis at the border. But um, I don't feel all that confident. You're going to see videos of Israeli soldiers taking Americans and Israelis out alive. Maybe I'm just a cynic. I don't know. Noam, what do you think? Well, part of this trip on the part of the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, when he was in Israel yesterday meeting with the families of some of the uh, who have hostages being held in Gaza. And he told them, he said, I'm on this mission, a diplomatic mission, going to twist some arms. It may not work because we saw that they were essentially savages, the Hamas militants, in the way that they treated the Israelis when they came in on Saturday. But they're going to try every diplomatic channel. He's off to Jordan. He's off to Egypt, where he thinks maybe he'll be able to have some sort of influence in getting some of these hostages out. You may end up being absolutely right that some of these hostages are dead already or that they'll all be killed, but he says he's going to try every avenue possible to get them out. Now, who said this, Blinken? This, this is Antony Blinken, yeah. Is this the same asshole that blamed Donald Trump for America giving Iran $6 billion? It might be that same guy, yeah. yeah it is, yeah. Here's uh, play this, Lewis. Anthony Blinken, number 15. Somehow he found a way to blame Trump for Biden giving the Iranians $6 billion, number 15. With regard to the, uh, the $6 billion, first, uh, again, it's always worth repeating the facts because, unfortunately, the facts get lost along the way. Uh, the money that Iran accrued in bank accounts, in this case in, in South Korea, uh, for the sale of its oil, uh, was done pursuant to an arrangement established by the previous administration, oh, the oh. Trump administration. None of the funds that have now gone to Qatar have actually been spent or accessed in any way uh, by Iran. Indeed, funds from that account are overseen by the Treasury Department, can only be dispensed for humanitarian goods, food, medicine, medical equipment, (laughs) and never touch Iranian hands. Uh Um, We have strict oversight of the funds, and we retain the right to freeze them. All right. So feel better now, Noam? <laughs> I, was... I mean, we all know that they didn't use this $6 billion in this attack. Right. What Blinken left out was the sanctions and restrictions no longer being enforced by this Biden administration. 
which allowed the Iranians to make so much money in oil the last couple of years, they don't even need this $6 billion. They don't need it. And they were not doing that under the Trump administration. Not only did they not doing that, but uh, you may want to remind Mr. Blinken, who's a pussy, you may want to remind him that Soleimani, who was one of the most dangerous Iranians in the world, Donald Trump blew that bastard in a thousand pieces in his car outside the airport. Did that not happen, Noam? It did happen. Yes, yeah. it did. Yeah. So at what point would you say Trump was weak when it came to the Iranians? Well, I'm not sure that I said that. I no. think it was Anthony Blinken that said right. that. But he's yeah. your friend. You guys are tight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're buddies. We hang out. Yeah. So do you think this ground deal will start today, tomorrow? What do you think is going on? I don't know that there will be a ground one. And I know later on you're going to talk with our friend Alex in uh, Jerusalem from JNS.org. He said that there's no indication that that's going to happen anytime soon, that maybe this leafleting of Gaza, which they did this morning, these uh, dropped leaflets in Gaza telling people to get out of uh, northern Gaza, go into southern Gaza because something was about to happen. They gave them 24 hours to do so. He thinks that that's all going to be about bombing that area from the air, not necessarily a ground war. Got it. So today is Global Jihad Day. We know that because one of these Hamas leaders sent out a tweet, I believe, Wednesday. And I got a little freaked out. I called the mayor right away. I called Police Commissioner Eddie Caban right away. I even considered considered not coming to work today, which, of course, I did. If I came to work during COVID, I'm coming to work today. But uh, two of my guests actually canceled because they're too afraid to come into the city. Suzanne Miller, who does a real estate uh, podcast here, and Real Housewife of New York star Jill Zarin both canceled. Jill, by the way, lives in the city, lives in Tribeca, but she doesn't want to leave her house. So if Hamas wants to scare people, they've done that. A lot of folks are staying home. I know a lot of the yeshivas, well, I guess they're going to be open, but I'll give you an example. We did not send Gabriel to school today because he goes to school in New York City. So my son is sleeping right now. <laughs> but Adams and uh, Caban did, uh, at the very least, satisfy New Yorkers' concerns and fears by telling us that they will have about twice as many cops on the street that they may have ordinarily. And the idea that this terrorism unit has been completely dismantled, according to Adams, is not true, despite what Curtis Sleewood says. But no one loves Curtis more than me, and people love Curtis and sit together every morning, but Curtis hates the mayor so much that he does tend to exaggerate every now and then. So according to the mayor on this show, that police intelligence unit is not gone. Maybe it's not a thousand. Maybe it's eight hundred. What do you know about that, Noam? Anything? Uh, you know, we we were talking to the NYPD yesterday afternoon into the evening, and most of what they were just telling us is that there's just no credible threat with this whole Hamas thing. We didn't really get into all those details that you were talking about, the mayor, but no, no credible threat against the city. It's basically just he was asking people to be vigilant. You know, right. that whole idea: right. if you see something, say something. The mayor did remind everybody, though, that um, while he talked to God, remember he told us that, <laughs> he reminded everybody yesterday that you should be thanking God that he is the mayor and not Kurosliwa or Maya Wiley or one of these other folks. This is uh, Mayor Eric Adams 
yesterday at a presser reminding you specifically, Lou Rufino, to thank God that he's the mayor. Cut number 24. I know you don't like to admit it, but I know you get on your knees and pray every night. Thank God Eric is the mayor of our city. <laughs> I kind of missed 3 a.m. prayer. Hold on a second. I'm going to, you guys just sit. Get don't on your knees me. and you pray every, look, he's on his knees don't, right now. Don't, don't, don't play a cut yet. By the way, the last time I saw you in that position. No, don't. Don't, no. Was when the eye man. No. <laughs> no, it's when at the at McSorley's and you said, "Bro, I, I, I my wallet is down there." <gasps> oh, that may be true. After you did, what do you call that thing where you lined up all the beers and? Well, it's probably not an appropriate. Port the today. amount. It's called the car bomb. Oh my God, it is called that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's perfectly Thanks. appropriate. Thanks it, that's asking. what it's called. That's what it's called. Oh, I gotta pray again. Hang on a second. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you for me. Uh, you are funny, the great Lou Rafino. So while uh, last night I had my monthly guys dinner, you know, we uh, we do this once a month now. It's set up by Keith Kantowitz, Mr. Power Express, and Paul Carlucci was a great guy. He, you know, Fox News and the New York Post and that whole media company. Those are the two big players, but the table is uh, full of um, – my good friends, Anthony Carone and I are best buddies. He was uh, with me last night. And uh, Marco was there and Mark Simone and uh, Governor David Patterson. I love it. We do it once a month. It is a nightmare for Curtis. Could you imagine Curtis sitting at that table? <laughs> There's so many funny things you can say. Oh, my God. Oh let, my God! Let me let me get this straight. <laughs> you you uh, the swagger man. You gave him. Uh, okay, what are you thinking about? <laughs> I think you would like it. The restaurant was great. We went to a place called Nicola's on Eighty Fourth Street on the Upper East Side, and when you walk in, the food was very good. Never been there before. And when you walk in, they've got uh, all these celebrities on the wall, and it was nice to see to the right of my table was a beautiful framed photo of John Katzmatidi's book, and John signed it. Very nice. You know, you really can't go at this point, because we go to these Upper East Side restaurants for our monthly dinners, and John and Marco have their, their hands, their stamp in all of them. You cannot go to a restaurant on the Upper East Side where the folks don't deservedly love John and Marco. You just can't. And I love that, so I know you're listening right now, John and Margo. The guys at Nicola's love you, and so do I. All right, big, big show about to come your way on this Friday morning. I am here. Hamas didn't scare me, those bastards. Alex Trayman is live in Jerusalem. He's joined me all week long. He's going to join me in just a couple of minutes. Once again, live from Jerusalem, Alex Trayman. Then Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani. Former New York Police Commissioner Ray Kelly, the great defense attorney Joseph Takapina, and my dear friend, now running for Senate in the state of Arizona, endorsed us two days ago by Donald Trump, Carrie Lake. It's a huge guest list. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. We go to Jerusalem next.
digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. Paul Simon, is today Lou Rubino the great Paul Simon's birthday? Yes, Must as be. Good as he looks too. Oh, yeah. He looks horrible. I know he looks. Yeah. Nice. Well, he never looked really good. <laughs> Him or Garfunkel, for that matter. How old is uh, Paul today? Paul Simon, eighty-two. Eighty-two. Yeah. So pretty that, good. That pretty good writer, though. Re- yes, excellent. Yeah. Uh, I liked him, but he's notoriously difficult to work. with. Yes. People can't stand them. <laughs> but I did see that show that Fox put on a couple of months ago, which I told you about, where they uh, had all these acts do all of his songs, like Susanna Hopp from the Bangles. They had the Jonas Brothers doing all of his great hits, you know, Boxer and She's Bridge look- on the Troubled Water. She'll, oh, she'll look good at 82, I bet. Who will? Susanna Hopp. Oh, she looks great she now. Looks she looks great now. Oh, man. Yeah. Let's uh, go back to Jerusalem. Alex Trayman, JNS.org, has been... Incredibly courageous all week. He's done great work on both Noam Laden show at 5 o'clock in the morning and, of course, New York's number one show. That's us. Alex, uh, first of all, thank you for your work all week long. It was so valuable. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Sid. You got it, pal. Give me uh, give me the latest, I guess. You know, here's the difference right here, folks, between the Israelis and these animals, Hamas. So Israel's about to open up a huge can of whoop-ass on Hamas, which I'm happy about. So Israel goes and says to these 1.1 million people, get out of there, head south, because it's going to get ugly. And Hamas, they go, don't go anywhere, stay home, because Hamas would love to see their people get blown up and killed so they've got more ammunition to fight back with uh, publicly against the Israelis. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable contrast, No. Uh, you said it. Uh, Israel gave uh, notice for people to leave the northern sections of the Gaza Strip. They gave them the line, which they should cross down into, and which they'll be safe. And Hamas has told them uh, to stay in their homes and not to not to accept the propaganda, disinformation of the of the IDF. Um, and uh, this is this is what Hamas does. On the one hand, we see, you know, the Obama, the Obama Israeli military targets that they can move past and kill as many civilians as possible. And here they hide among civilians, and they want to increase the number of civilian casualties on their side because they don't value human life. No, they don't. Uh, they've also said, I believe I saw this morning, and uh, maybe you can confirm it or deny it, Alex Trayman again live in, in Jerusalem. Hamas is claiming that the Israelis that are bombing the last couple of days have now killed 13 of the hostages. Uh, do we have any any confirmation of that? 
Uh, this is a Hamas statement, and there's there's no confirmation of that. Uh, the, you know, the numbers coming out of Gaza with regard to the number of killed or wounded. There's no real way to to accurately determine if those are if those are the real numbers. Uh, and we don't really have that information yet as to if the 13 hostages had been killed. Um, you know, that's a risk that Israel has to take. Israel cannot be held hostage by these hostages right now. Uh, you know, what we have to do is make sure, what Israel has to do is to make sure that uh, Hamas can never carry out an attack like this again. Bottom line, I mean, it's uh, neither, neither you or I are insensitive. We're good people, Alex. And I know Israel values every life. Again, I, I just mentioned last segment, they traded one soldier for a thousand, but they're not going to allow 150 hostages to dictate how they run this war. They want to annihilate and wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. And as horrible as this sounds, if those hostages end up being casualties of war, folks, they're going to do it. Bottom line, yes? You know, I was just speaking to a friend of mine who uh, served in, in Gaza. You know, he's a little bit older than the reservist age now, but he served in Gaza and he was a sniper. And he told me that in the Army that there is a rule. And the rule is that if you see a hostage being taken, and you're not in a position where you can kill the hostage taker, you kill the hostage. Because the worst thing that there could be is a hostage situation. Um, and you know, so we, that, that's, the, that's the discipline of the Israeli army. And, of course, everybody wants the hostages back. Um, and they'll take every effort to do so. But, but you know, risking the lives of additional Israeli soldiers uh, in a booby-trapped urban, urban environment in, in the Gaza Strip, um, you know, we just can't let, unfortunately, Israel cannot let the, the hostage situation dictate uh, whether or not it meets its, its military objectives. Alex, talk to me about this, um, this bombing that's about to take place and why the Israelis are uh, giving these uh, Palestinians a chance to leave. I mean, what are they targeting? How, I mean, how, how much are they getting ready to bomb? It sounds like it's going to be a huge effort. Well, they've bombed a lot already. There's been hundreds of uh, of targets hit inside the northern Gaza Strip uh, since Israel started its reprisals uh, already on Sunday, um, and yet they're they're going to continue to to hit. They're they're going after the heads of all the Hamas leadership. Uh, they are using um, all kinds of intelligence and uh, facial recognition to to find the people that committed the heinous attacks. Uh, on Saturday, and to take all of them out to use uh, surveillance um, and technology to identify who the contacts are on social media, and they're reading social media messages, and they're generating targets in real time. And in addition to that, you know that Hamas hides its uh, military infrastructures in civilian areas, uh, including in mosques, including in hospitals, including in schools. Uh, they're still firing rockets to, to this moment. Uh, so there, there are a lot of targets that uh, Israel has identified and continues to identify new targets in real time, and they're hitting them as hard as they can. Wow. So I know yesterday was um, pretty quiet compared to the five or six days before, but I think I heard you say earlier that uh, this morning, like you just talked about, more rockets. Is that Hamas and Hezbollah from Lebanon or just Hamas? Assistance from Hamas so far, the, the... Lebanon border hasn't heated up so much. There was, you know, a little bit of the testing of the waters 
a few days ago, but the northern border has been so far uh, quiet, and I think that that might have something to do uh, with uh, the American presence coming over, especially the the aircraft carrier uh, and Anthony Blinken and, and Lloyd Austin here now. Um, you know, they're doing everything that they can to try to keep uh, Hezbollah out of the war, and, and it does seem as though Israel would really prefer to be fighting uh, only one front at a time. Um, and it will be up to Israel to, to do such damage against Hamas and Gaza that they, they will recreate deterrence that's been long lost uh, also in southern Lebanon, that the Lebanese also have to ex- understand that if they come into this war, that uh, southern Lebanon will, will turn into the, the situation that Gaza is in right now. Alex Trayman, once again, live in Jerusalem. He's been uh, great with us all week long. So hundreds of thousands of Israeli soldiers, 300,000, 600,000, not even sure at this point. But uh, we've been told they are ready to go. The ground incursion is just moments away. And now, talking to people, I'm hearing... Well, I'm not sure if that's the case. So what do you think happens with these boots on the ground? Well, I think that they're going to wait until they, they do the bombings uh, in the northern Gaza Strip. And, and once they, they've hit all the targets that they intend to hit, I do think they were going to start to see a ground incursion. From every indication that I have from, from soldiers on the ground who have been able to contact uh, their friends and family members uh, sporadically over the last several days as they're staging uh, for potential incursion, you know, all indications are that they, they are going to move ahead and that they're preparing for an incursion that could last anywhere is from a month or longer. Um, so we just have to get the, we have to get the official word. Um, and until that happens, the, the IDF is not going to tip off what it plans on doing. So it looks like the Americans are finally admitting we are, that Iran was involved in this. You know, that first Biden um, press conference, which I thought was weak and lousy, he never mentioned Iran. But now it looks like Blinken and others are starting to talk about Iran. Of course, they're blaming Donald Trump for the $6 billion, which has nothing to do with these attacks. But um, on a bigger level, he's mentioned the fact that the Secretary of State Blinken is there, Lloyd Austin. He arrived there this morning. Joe Biden spoke a couple of days ago. How do Israelis feel about the Biden administration and how they've handled this thus far? Well, the shows of support so far have been very, very strong. But the key question and the most important uh, strategic element here is how long will the American backing last? You know, you, you could see Anthony Blinken was visibly shaken by the by the pictures and the and the videos that he saw uh, of the massacre that took place on Saturday. And right now, the United States is, is standing behind uh, their ally in a strong way. But you also heard uh, him say uh, in his comments at the press conference with Netanyahu that uh, democracies handle themselves differently and they expect a uh, they expect a, a reprisal to be fair uh, and to do what they can to avoid civilian casualties, um, you know, which is not something it's not it's not something that's uh held you know Hamas is not held to that same standard so really the question is you know in a week from now after Israel has significantly bombed the Gaza Strip and the death toll rises and the international media we already see the United Nations uh asking the IDF to rescind its evacuation order and we're already hearing uh you know claims that that the siege that Israel has on the strip which is not a complete siege because we don't control one of the borders uh is a violation of international law uh and that we're committing war crimes so the question is when the pressure builds up 
and the death tolls in the Gaza Strip build up, will America give Israel the support it needs to keep going and continue its operation until the strategic military objectives are met? On the way out, Alex, you're in Jerusalem. I'm in New York City. I know you know the city very well. I came to work this morning, but I, I did not come to work without speaking to the mayor, Eric Adams, and the police commissioner, Eddie Caban, more than once the last couple of days because when that Hamas leader went on Twitter and called for today, this day right now, to be a, a jihad a day, a global jihad day, a day of rage, I know, Alex, I know those folks are here. There's no doubt in my mind nine of the terrorist countries have uh, they've escaped thousands and thousands, all the illegals and migrants we've got here. You'd be stupid to think they're not here already. So I'm taking this threat very, very seriously. I came to work, but i got to tell you, I was a little nervous. It's got to be intensified by a 100 in Israel today. Is that the case? Absolutely. You know, I was at my home, which is right on the seam line, really, between the Jewish and the Arab neighborhoods and the eastern sections of Jerusalem. Uh, and from the mosque, you had blaring for, for 20 minutes, um, you know, the a – a sermon, so to speak, uh, from the mosque after the after the morning service. Um, volume raised. The whole purpose of that is for everybody to hear, not just the Arabs, but also the Jews. You know, I don't speak fluent Arabic, but it doesn't take much to know when you hear Yahud, Yahud, uh, and the volume raised and the yelling that they're not uh, talking about taking responsibility for what they did on Saturday. Uh, they, are, they are talking about inciting their population uh, to, to violence. But I think that the point that you mentioned in the beginning is the most important, that this is not a Hamas jihad. This is a global jihad. Hamas is just one of the strong players here. But this is a global jihad that, that includes many, many different uh, terror organizations in many different countries. And the jihad has also infected uh, the academia in the United States, the universities, and even to a certain extent, the Congress. Uh, which is very, very scary, and, and not just America, but in other democracies around the world as well. Oh, you just nailed it. Listen, uh, do me a favor. Please stay safe. I know Shabbos is coming up tonight and, and tomorrow, and uh, we're about a week away now from the original atrocities. So thank you very, very much, Alex, for your great work this week. Please say, uh, stay safe, have a good Shabbos, and hopefully we'll talk again on Monday. How does that sound? Thanks so much, Sid. I appreciate it. All right, Alex. God bless you. Alex Trayman right there from the uh, Jewish News Syndicate. And once again, every time I bring him on, he's so great. I must thank Noam Layden because it was Noam Layden who uh, had him on on Monday, said, Sid, what do you think? I said, he's great, and he's been on ever since. So thank you, Noam. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellicott with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers on the gridiron. The Kansas City Chiefs moved to 5-1 and one on the year with their 19-8 to eight win over the visiting Denver Broncos last night on Thursday Night Football. Denver moves to an underwhelming 1-5 overall. Locally, the 2-3 and three Jets get set to host the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles Sunday afternoon at 4.25 p.m., currently a seven-point underdogs. As for the 1-4 and four Giants, they'll be in Buffalo Sunday night at 8.20 p.m. as 14-and-a-half-point underdogs against the 3-2 and two Bills on the ice where the Rangers and Devils 
hoping their respective 2023 regular season campaigns last night. For the Hockey Blue Shirts, they started things off with a 5-1 win in Buffalo against the Sabres. Chris Kreider decided to get right after it. He had two goals, he had, uh, but he buried one in the first period before a shorthanded beauty in the third that put New York up a 4-1. They'll be back in action tomorrow night in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. As for the Devs, they dropped the puck on their season with a 4-3 win at home against the Detroit Red Wings. Jack Hughes picked up right where he left off with two goals in the second period before Dougie Hamilton snapped a third period tie to propel New Jersey to victory. They're right back at it tonight at home against the Arizona Coyotes. Puck drop set for 7 p.m. And over to the Diamond now in the MLB playoffs. We have our final championship series bound squad on the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies eliminated the Atlanta Braves with a 3-1 to win in game four of the NLDS. In How about that regular season? The Dodgers, mm-hmm. the Braves, and the Orioles. Yeah. Far and away, the three most, I guess, uh, hottest teams, best yeah. teams in baseball. They were the best teams in baseball, yes. None of them playing in these championship series. No, I saw an article yesterday uh, begging the question, does the regular season still matter? I mean, 162 <laughs> games and all three of them are gone? All yeah. three? Yeah, it's absolutely This year the Braves couldn't lose. You got Okuna, we're not going to lose. Out. Out. And, like, out-handedly. You know, the Phillies fired Joe Girardi. Now they've gone back to two straight World Series. Rob, Rob Thompson. It's that Thompson magic. Both teams <laughs> on uh, on Sunday, though. So you got the ALCSs both set. Uh, so you got uh, just four wins standing between each of these teams and a ticket to the 23 World Series on Sunday. The Texas Rangers, they'll meet the Astros in Houston for game one of the ALCS on Fox. Both teams ended the regular season with an identical 90-72 and 72 records. Fans of either the Diamondbacks or the Phillies, they'll have to wait until Monday night for game one of the NLCS on TBS. That series will begin in Philadelphia. And uh, as previously mentioned, Rutgers in action college football-wise. Uh, they're going to welcome in Michigan State tomorrow at noon. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com. Tanklist.com to find a deal under you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellicott, 77 WABC. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I did buy with a little help from my friends. And back here on Sid and Friends in the Morning on a Friday. Again, thank you very much to Alex Trayman 
What a great job this guy's done all week for me, live in Jerusalem, giving us the latest on what's going on there. Courageous, brave, JNS.org. The guy's terrific. Once again, thanks to Alex Train. But we move from Jerusalem to 6th Avenue, where my next guest, of course, you know him very, very well. He follows me at 10 a.m. every weekday morning here on 77 WABC. He is a superstar at Fox News, Fox and Friends every morning. His own terrific show, Saturday nights at 9 p.m., One Nation. He's my dear friend, Brian Kilmeade. Brian, happy Friday, buddy. How are you? Good. You know, we're watching every uh, NYPD police officer. I believe it's 36,000, should be 39,000 told to come to work today, you know, because uh, New York, as usual, the epicenter for fun, excitement, opportunities, as well as terror uh, terror targets. And we watched these protests all week. And now our cops got to work overtime again uh, because we don't have any credible threat. But it, anybody could be a threat, especially after what you watch in Israel and these Palestinian, uh, Palestinian sympathizers, these Hamas supporters are looking to take action uh, around the world. No, there's no question. Against I mean, I mean, look, when, people. when I saw this uh, tweet a couple of days ago from the Hamas leader, I'll be honest, I reached out to the mayor, Eric Adams. I reached out to my good buddy, Police Commissioner Eddie Caban, who offered to provide me with a police detail today, I swear to God, just to come to work because I am a Jewish radio host. And I asked them both about if it was credible and, and all these things. But Eric was on the show on Wednesday. And he was on about two weeks ago, Brian. He usually comes on once a month. But he did me a favor. It was very nice, the mayor. And he came back after just two weeks because after the attacks in Israel, the question I'm asked all the time now is, are we next? I know today is Global Jihad Day, like Brian just mentioned. I'm not sure if anything happens, but are we next? And I said, Eric, listen. We got a lot of people coming into this country, not just the illegal migrant crisis, Venezuelans on Staten Island, but since 2021, I saw a list on Fox News with John Roberts right before the president spoke the other day. Those nine countries that Donald Trump labeled terrorist countries, you got 30,000 from Turkey, 16,000 from Yemen, 15,000 from Afghanistan. I mean, it is terrifying. I said, Mr. Mayor, do we have Hamas people here? And you didn't say no. He said, look, we got the best in the NYPD. We rely on our well, intelligence. He, he didn't say no. Sid, he's cutting back the anti-terror task force. The one that Ray Kelly built up, made, it was better than the FBI. They'd be sending, if there was an explosion in Jordan, he'd have our, our investigators there saying, how does it relate to New York? What do we look for? How did it happen? And this is why we were kept safe. It wasn't a coincidence. And Eric Adams goes, hey, you know what? I'm going to be cutting that terror task force back. That better change. Actually, Ray Kelly's going to join me at 8.05 this morning to talk about that terror force. According to Eric Adams on this show just two days ago, that force is still out there. It has not been depleted in numbers. They don't deploy them everywhere every day. But he claims, at least, there are still close to 1,000 members of that force. Now, let's move from Adams, though, to the national scene. I know you watched Joe Biden a couple of days ago as well. I found his speech to be very nice but one of the weakest speeches you'll ever hear. And for him to come out yesterday and say to the American people and the families, I guarantee you will get those hostages, to me is so irresponsible. First of all, we have no idea where those hostages are. They're underground somewhere in a tunnel in Gaza. We have no idea if they're booby-trapped, how we're going to get to them. How could the president, trying to be nice, ever make a guarantee like that when the truth is, that's ridiculous. Listen. When you see these protesters in Columbia, NYU, uh, Times Square, just know they're protesting. They're pro-killing 29 Americans. 
They're pro-taking American hostage. That's how, that's where they stand. That's where they stand. And then for us to not take a lead role when Americans are taken and not, you know, you saw Robert O'Brien, I hope, on Saturday night with me live. And he said, I'm going to call. This is before he knew Americans were taken hostage. He said, I am calling right now for this administration to get our hostage team that has already been trained in our military and the FBI over there immediately and start uh, making operations, uh, start putting formulating operations to get our people out, get the Israeli people out. Then it turns out there's Americans. We have left 20,000 in Israel that want out. Even my 20 other countries have set up private travel to get them out. We haven't, again, just like Afghanistan, provided anything. And we have not taken it personal that our people are out. We have no plan to get in there. Now, if you could say I'm working hand-in-hand with the Israelis, and this is going to be my, my, number, one, my number one priority, but remember what our Secretary of State originally tweeted out in coordination with Turkey. We call for calm heads and a ceasefire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you kidding me? Yeah. Now he comes out and says, listen, anything the Israelis right, need. I still right. remember your knee-jerk reaction. I mean, think about this. You're an American. You're hanging out in a rural section of Israel. And next thing you know, you're in a tunnel in Gaza. Yeah. You, might be, uh, you might be sitting there with your five-year-old child who basically hasn't had food or water. But feel fortunate because their heads weren't chopped off. This is a medieval world we are now living in, and it's time for the people that did it to pay the price. Let's stop pretending that they have a point of view. No, it's true. These uh, Democrat uh, administrations, going back to Barack Obama, seemed like when he was president and Biden was his vice president, there were attacks every week, whether it was Paris or Brussels or California, and he kept asking for restraint. And Biden and Blinken are doing the same thing. And I speak to people in Israel on this show every day. And I got to tell you, they appreciate the American support, but they can't stand it when Americans ask for restraint. Because the truth is, Brian, this is no longer a war of land or opportunity. This is now a war of annihilation. That's why you got to be realistic about even the hostages, because now with over 1,300 Israelis dead, to be completely honest, they're not all that worried about 150 hostages. They have one concern, annihilate Hamas, remove them from the earth, and that is not good news for the hostages, but at least they're being honest. The Americans need to stop with the word restraint. So, you know, usually you have a leader who tells you where to go and then you judge that leader. We are pushing this administration to be leaders. They have now said, okay, let's freeze the $6 billion. They have initially saying ceasefire. They are now saying whatever you need. And they are now looking at Iran as the problem. One word, don't think about it. Those terms are not aggressive enough, but it shows that the old policy should have been their policy all along. Making them put the wall back together, even though it's the wrong wall, not big enough and mobile, that shows you your idiotic policy at our border is wrong. Your permissive culture when it comes to terror, crime, smashing grabs was wrong. We have left your cities like this one. Because you cannot control it and have no intention of doing so. And now they are going to pay. They got away with the midterm election because of abortion. And uh, Roe v. Wade and the GOP had no idea how to message it. They better not get away 
this election. No, they won't. They because won't. No. they have got us into this mess yes. in every way. Yeah. I mean, the $6 billion the Iranians haven't touched, I know that. But it doesn't matter because Joe Biden never enforced any of the sanctions, never added sanctions. And Iran has made so much money the last couple of years, Brian, on oil. So much money that they could afford to fund any terrorist attack they want without touching that $6 billion. And that goes directly back to Joe Biden. And I'll say this right now. Because you're right, between the illegal crisis, the migrant crisis, the economic issues at home, and now this war in the Middle East, if God forbid, God forbid, there's one more terrorist attack, you have absolutely 1,000% given the presidency back to Donald Trump. Mark my words. Yeah, I mean, as you know, you talk to him all the time, but we had him on yesterday. Oh, you did a great job. That was a great interview. I played a lot of it here on my show. It was great. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't love like he came out later and Netanyahu didn't help him out with Soleimani. He's mad at him about the election. Uh, my advice to the president, and I say this as an American, not as a partisan, as an American, play a conservative. Let Joe Biden lead and show America the difference. Don't give don't give Joe Biden, Democrats, MSNBC, any layups. Sit there. Watch. Answer the questions. Tell everyone what you would do, but don't go out there and say Hezbollah, uh, they're smart, because we know what he means. He means so you could be evil and smart. You could be a mobster wiping out people, murdering people, I mean, and you look, could be look, smart. Look, look, but ago, they're misinterpreting what I he's know, saying. They're not, allowing- they're not misinterpreting. They're spinning it their way. He once called Putin smart, and they're like, oh, you're Putin's friend. I look, worry about independence, not you, Sid. No, I, worry I know. About independence. I know, but, but the truth is, is that guess what? In this particular attack, Hamas and Hezbollah were smart, and the Israelis got caught flat-footed. And Netanyahu is going to lose his job over this. So all Donald Trump did, and maybe it's not the time yet, was be brutally honest. You know, he once yeah. called Putin smart. He once called, you know, the guy in North Korea, whatever he said about him. That's not him complimenting people. That's him telling the truth. And the Democrats spin it like he likes them. He doesn't like them. He states the truth. And like Jack Nicholson once said, a lot of you can't handle the truth. Right. You said, you know what I'm asking for? Give a disclaimer. Oh, they're evil, but they're not dumb. They're smart, but they are evil. Like, just hand me the evil part. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll just stop. Joe Scarborough from saying how the president likes our enemies. I'm just saying that don't give, don't, don't drop your hands in the middle of a fight. That's what I'm saying. This is, if you cover up your head on all the cards, cover up, write it out and go to the judges. Don't go ahead and swing for the fences, put your chin out and say, I dare you to knock me out. That's, that's what I'm saying. He's so street smart. He's so close. And if he, or any Republican is so close to getting everything back, and I don't care, saving the country. Not even a matter like my person wins or my party wins. Saving the country. I don't think this is even black. This is not a gray area. No. The, even no. Democrats must know he has put the world on fire, destroyed our economy. Do you know we've added $1.7 trillion to the debt? We used to be over by $400 billion. That's a lot. This guy is $1.7 trillion <laughs> and the year's not done yet. Do you realize what's going on here? No, All I our do. money's going to interest payments. I know. So in the last 60 seconds, I want to move back to the United States. A couple of days ago, Steve Scalise, you know, he gets um, he gets the um, the votes over uh, Jim Jordan. So I text my friend Nancy Mace, and we're close. 
And I know Nancy was part of that Matt Gates traitor eight that got rid of McCarthy, and I've told her I don't like it. It is what it is. So I say, wow, Scalise won. She goes, he'll never get the votes. I go, why? Well, what do you mean? And she sends me an article from Politico. This is two days ago that Steve Scalise once spoke to a group of white supremacists. And I said, wow, is this is this accurate? She said it's 100% accurate. It's going to destroy him. And I mentioned this on the air two days ago when no one had any idea what was going on. And as it turns out, he stepped down yesterday, Nancy Mace, right in the middle of it once again. What do you think about these Republicans, man? If they don't want you, they find a way to destroy you. Hey, Sid, uh, we did know about that. And, if uh, you know, I flip around, and they were talking about that. It was 21 years ago. He made an ill con- he made a bad choice to speak in front of a group that had white supremacists in their, in their whatever they call it, their constitution, their manual. He spoke one time. He goes, huge mistake. So for 21 years, he's impressed everyone. People say the nicest things because they know him. Now, I would I would have kept McCarthy. But Steve Scalia, I love Jim Jordan. Steve Scalia's a wonderful human being who is shown over and over again who he is. And after serving with him and Nancy Place for, what, eight, six, eight, ten years? She's going to hold him to one speech 21 years ago and not vote for him in a time of crisis when his leadership, his fundraising, his personality, his struggle for his life after being shot on a field has exposed who he really is. You're going to hold him to one speech 21 years ago. Did you pick up the phone and ask him what happened with that? Was it one bad decision? And is everyone going to be held to one bad decision the rest of their lives? Did anyone ever become speaker and ever have a DUI? Did everyone? Did anyone become anything in their lives and ever have a time in which uh, they cheated on their spouse? You have to be pure as snow too, and never do anything wrong to get a statue, even if you're a founding father. Or we're going to take you down. And now, 21 years ago, one speech, Nancy May says, "Let's make sure he doesn't become speaker." Ridiculous. Couldn't agree more. I, I like Nancy, but uh, a lot of the things she's done as of late are, are bad. Uh, flat out bad. Self-serving. Yeah, very self-serving. Selfish. You're right. Very selfish. You're right. Dating back to why she wanted to get rid of McCarthy, because he wasn't addressing what she wanted to address, women's rights and other issues. So, big show tomorrow night, I'm sure. One Nation, 9 p.m. All live. Two hours. Oh, two hours. Two wow. hours, 9 to 11. Who do we got? Lining of people. Um, I, I got everyone. I got Van Orden. I got Tim Kennedy. Uh, I got uh, Dennis Ross. I mean, we're going to end up with probably 16 guests. I'm waiting till like today at around one to basically solidify. While the IDF has been great giving us people and we're going to have two or three reporters, I think the ground war, I don't know how you feel, is going to be hot by then. I think they'll probably be in by then. Yeah, me too. So that and the other thing, I'm just going to ask you this. How do you people feel? The leaders of Hamas are in Qatar cheering and praying about the successful mission. Is that isn't it time to get them extradited? I mean, why do we let them live in luxurious hotels, have limousines, yeah. call the shots, no, we should kill them. and let Qatar house them? Kill them. I mean, isn't it time for us to call for them to be extradited? Well, I want to focus on that. I like to happen in the final 60 seconds as frustrating and annoying as that is. Hamas living nicely in Qatar. What's even more frustrating, Brian, is forget about Qatar. How about our own kids, whether it's Harvard NYU, Brooklyn College, Columbia. I'm not talking about the pro-Palestinian rallies with people like Ron Kuby, those lowlifes. I mean, our kids. What has happened to this whole generation? What happened? I, I, uh, I think that, it, you know, it's the whole thing. You open up, the, you rip off the Band-Aid, you look at the infection, you pour peroxide in. 
We are exposing them. You saw what, uh, what Ackerman came out and said, Wall Street, anybody on this list, on the pro-Palestinian uh, student union list, make sure they're not hired. And now you have Harvard back uh, 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 backtracking on their statements, even the student unions. They're going to be these. They're going to be isolated. Uh, we watch KJP uh, condemn the squad. They're being exposed. You can't. Dan Goldman condemning other Democrats on uh, on Fox. I'm not a fan of his, but he was in Israel at the time. It's making us find out who the traitors are amongst us. And I think that in the long run could be good in forcing these professors to say, please tell me your point of view. Please tell me why a manual says, uh, the attack manual says, attack uh, Israel military bases, concerts, and kindergartens. And you tell me if there's an equal form of justice and if the Palestinians have a point of view. And I think it's exposing the horror. And, I, and that I could see in the long run being good. What a great conversation. We'll all be watching One Nation, 9 p.m. tomorrow night, a two-hour special Fox and Friends this morning, 10 a.m. here on WABC after me. What a terrific guy and a great talent. My friend Brian Kilmeade. Brian, thank you so much. You're the best, Sid. Thank you. Thank you. Look who's talking. Brian Kilmeade will take a short break. More of Sid and Friends in the morning on a Friday right after this. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Curtis Lovell, Run DMC, talk too much. He's on every day at this time because he's the best. Gets huge ratings, new to one every weekday afternoon. Also huge ratings, hosting overnights every weekend, but does his best work right here alongside me every weekday. And missed you last night. We were at uh, John and Margo, one of their favorite restaurants, Nicola's, up on East 84th Street. You mean Nicola's. That's right. And uh, it was our uh, monthly group. And uh, all your buddies, Keith Kantrowitz, Paul Carlucci, Governor David Patterson. Oh, my husband-in-law. That's right. Mark Simone and uh, Jay Chan. I mean, everybody was looking for well, you. Well, I was so. too busy in Riverdale with your peeps and at Columbia University on the way back. Well, is that true? You made both of those stops? And now, did Columbia have another pro-Palestinian rally last night? Uh, not last night. I just wanted to look at what the security was. Uh, gotcha. In lockdown, you know. Right. Uh, the uh, David Patterson, my husband-in-law, uh, dorm, because, you know, he went there. Yes. Uh, that was in lockdown. The Barack Obama dorm was in lockdown. Do they have an Obama dorm there already, too? Of course not. I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, Both I live, of those I, guys went listen, there. I used to live on 104th and West End for six years. You know that. Mm-hmm. And I would walk north. To go to Shake Shack or get some Starbucks coffee, and I was right by Columbia University, and I hated it there. One sixteenth on the one train. Yeah, also, wait, blocks. wait till you see what I post later. Five o'clock rush hour, number two train heading uptown to Riverdale to deal with the uh, migrant center issue there, and there's a black guy laid out on the floor of the number two train, knocked out. 
Middle of rush hour, right? And you'll see me talking to the guy. Eventually, I revive him. Who knocked him out? You did? No. Oh, drugs. <laughs> drugs. Oh, drugs. Okay. He said knocked out. I thought it was physically. This, uh, this is everywhere. Oh, no, I know. It's, it's close. Everywhere. Please. I, 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 listen, Curtis. I take the six, the four, the five every day. I walk. It's disgusting. No doubt about it. By the way, nice shirt. Uh, yesterday, Curtis took part in our second annual Dyspraxia DCD America Radiothon, and both Danielle and Gabriel love Curtis. They really do. And uh, we gave him this lime green sweatshirt, and I'm wearing, I wore a gray one yesterday. I'm wearing that one today, so Curtis and I look like a gay boy band. Exactly. But, um, we glow in the dark. Yeah, we do we glow, glow in, in the, the dark. dark. Um, but I do want to talk to you uh, right now about Eddie Caban because the police commissioner... <laughs> Don't laugh yet. When I called him on Wednesday and I said, hey, Eddie, I'm the biggest voice in this city and I'm a Jew and I'm nervous to come to work on Friday. Your friend and mine, Eddie, said, don't worry, Sid. I'll have a police detail for you. I swear to God. And I will make sure you get there and go home safe. So how can I be mad at Eddie Caban? Well, you should be. He's in Qatar. This is where. He's in where? Qatar. Qatar? You remember where Eric Adams went for World Cup because he wanted to study security? Forget about Eric Adams. You know who's in Qatar right now? Uh, the all, man, these, all these Hamas leaders. Not only Hamas. You have uh, the Taliban. You have Hezbollah. You have Islamic Jihad. So what, what, what is Eddie Caban doing there on this Global Jihadi Day in New York City? I'm sure he's doing a deep investigation into these terrorist organizations. It's a junket. Look, Eric Adams went to South America, right, to tell migrants to stay home. He admitted that was a disaster. Notice the Department of Corrections is ready to be turned over to the federal government. A guy you've had on, Louis Molina, right? He took a junket with his staff for two weeks, England and France. We paid for all this crap. Really? Yes. To do, do what? Well, good question. Uh, you ask Eddie. Hey, Eddie, what were you doing in Qatar? Before you were police commissioner, you couldn't even find that I on know, a map. But, but look, uh, you're right about that. But they, they, they tell us why they go. For example, no taxpayer money wanted to send Eric Adams to Greece or Tel Aviv to figure out how to fight anti-Semitism in Brooklyn. But at least, at least we know why he went. We have any idea why Eddie is there? Is there a... A police task force meeting? What, what's going on? <laughs> well, you got to ask you former police commissioner Ray Kelly. I was actually up in Manhattan College last night. They have a whole dorm named in his honor because he was an esteemed alumni of Manhattan College. Look, so was Rudy Giuliani, right? Uh, yeah, but Ray Kelly's the expert on terrorism. Yeah. Eddie Caban knows nothing about this. Yeah, Eric but, Adams but, but, but knows nothing about this. Did you lie a couple days ago because um, I, I got a lot of my questions for the mayor from you because I trust you more than anybody. Yeah. And you specifically had me ask him about that police terrorism task force. The counterterrorism NYPD unit. And you made it sound like it was completely depleted. And the mayor said, which Ray Kelly started, by the way. And the mayor said, no, it's not. Excuse me. He said, and go back and listen to your own great interview because he rolled it out for you and the world. 1,000 members originally, that's what it used to be. He says, I have reallocated them into other aspects of public safety, we will no longer have the long guns out. Remember, he kept saying long guns, which is the Hercules unit with the helmets, the body armor. You want to see them at Grand Central, Penn Station, Empire State Building. He goes, no, they won't be there anymore. You don't need them. Are you crazy? Why did you advertise to all of our enemies? Oh, the Hercules unit ain't going to be there. Ray Kelly, you know what he used to do? He used to have a squad of 10 police cars. Uh, Mark cars going up and down the streets. Remember, bells and whistles, sirens, lights going. 
And that was basically to say to any terrorist hiding amongst us, hey, we're out here. We're looking for you. You are priority number one. The terrorists are no longer a priority. And look, he opened up the floodgates. You got guys in here from countries that have active ISIS and al-Qaeda units. Not Hamas. Hamas is a domestic organization in Gaza. You got to worry about ISIS. You got to worry about al-Qaeda. Just like Shin Bet is the international security unit for Israel, Mossad is the domestic unit. This guy, I'm the spokesperson for Hamas, uh, Global Day of Rage, World Jihad, and all Jews and Gentiles. Oh, I can't. And, you know, our <laughs> politicians need to shut their mouths. Eric Adams and Hoko having press conference after press conference. Then they realize by 6 o'clock last night, nobody's going to come to work. No, you can come to work. Everything's safe and secure. We got, and they're lying, 36,000 cops out. They only got 32,500 cops. Stop lying to the people. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, you got to be a careful of a lone wolf for Hamas out there. All he's feeding is more fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. Eric Adams, you know nothing about terrorism. Shut your mouth. Leave it to the experts. Like Commissioner Kelly, like John Miller, like others who were involved in the process for years. Right, Kelly is going to join me. This is what we do. He was it, the best. It's coming up at 8.05 in, uh, in about 40 minutes. And it was Ray Kelly, who I believe years ago was the one who said Hamas was here. Now, I also asked Adams that a couple of days ago, and he kind of went around answering that question. He started to... You know, to say nice things about the NYPD and, and uh, intelligence and blah, blah, blah. But while you say there's nothing to worry about, and I agree with you. I got up this morning. I came from Queens to Manhattan. I'm at work. I'm not scared. I'm going to walk around. Look, look, but, he- but you have to admit there are people here and a lot of them who do want to kill us. Yes or no? You, you would have more to fear on Good Friday that some of us Gentiles have flashbacks and we we remember Mel Gibson's uh, movie, you know, about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden we want to do a program. Stop this nonsense, this fear, fright, hysteria. I bet you they're working in Israel today. The bombs are going off, right? The air raid sirens. Israelis are tough. Not Americans only are they working. Soft. Do you realize that our mutual friend Dove Heikend actually went to Israel yeah, with his son. Yeah, he said it on your program, yes. Two days ago, because right. he'd rather be there. He went to a, a service yesterday for 30 Israeli soldiers killed last Saturday. There are bombs going off all around them, and he's happy Look, to this be is, there. This is the difference between the Nebuchadnezzar and Shlubby Jews. Oh, is going to kill us. Dov was a <laughs> member of JDL, every Jew at 22. He believes in force. And by the way, while we're on that subject, Eric Adams, who's putting fear, fright, hysteria, and uh, hype into everybody. Oh, there could be a lone wolf out there from Hamas. Shut up! You talk too much. What are you going to do now if your fire department closes seven migrant centers, including the battleground area, St. John's Villa, because... It is a fire trap. They had already closed one, Richard Hungerford School on Staten Island, because of asbestos problems. What are you going to do, Eric? You're going to force them in other neighborhoods? Let me warn you. Wherever you go, I'm shadowing you. We are going to stop you in your tracks. You went to South America at taxpayers' expense for what? The migrants keep coming, 800 a day, because you call Governor Abbott. You say, oh, he's a racist. You know, let me tell you something. You better start doing your job. 
Focus on keeping everybody safe here in the city. Not one response day. Global day of rage. Will she hide? Ooh, hide under our Castro convertibles. Hey, America, we're strong. Let's flex. Stop being weak like Pee Wee Herman. And let's flex and show these terrorists like Israelis. We don't take nothing. Sid and friends in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Oh, you look so handsome today. You got yourself a uh, nice haircut. Where did you get that in Rockwell yesterday? Yes. Oh, no, I did not. You got it here in the city? Yeah. Uh, what, what is this? Like uh, information from uh, Iran? What do you, you, you like? Well, it sounds like you get like the an, haircut in New York like an, or Rockaway? It sounds like an interrogation. Unlike you, I don't give away my every step of the day. Really? You I think don't. telling people where you get your haircut is? In Whitestone. Why do you call it? No wonder you didn't tell me. How stupid is that? Why do you go all the way to Whitestone to get it? I mean, your haircut looks, looks good. Don't get me wrong, but well, somebody it. by that's your it. house can't do that. That's it. Now you know. Why do you go to Whitestone? Well, it's a, it's a, a woman I've known for years. Oh my god! And she's I like yeah. seeing her, and then uh-huh. I see her, and then cuts my hair. It takes seven minutes, and I'm done. Now, was she? She's always been at that location in Whitestone, or you known this woman? Yes. And then you travel to meet her? Uh? No. She's been always there. been in Whitestone. Uh, yes, yeah. Bayside, Whitestone, a couple of different places. What, now, what were you doing in Bayside? I dr- I went there after work. No, yeah. I went. I had some of the great food that we Uno's Pizzeria. Sold. No, from the Aunt Butchie's. Oh yes, in Brooklyn. In fact, Joe Pernice, thank you very much for dropping that off yesterday. Aunt Butchie's happens to be uh, my buddy Stinky there, Santo, and Danny <laughs> Fagliano's cousin. Yeah, These, and, you just see you're making names up. No, this is all true. No, see you're making. Call, I'm going to call you. They out. call Billy Santos Stinky, and everybody knows him in Bainbridge, including Audie Idala and and, uh, and everybody. But there's not a day that goes by that no. I don't feel like you're making names up. Oh, that's because you don't uh, you don't respect how many people I know. Uh, and, com- the wrong word. That's uh, not respect the word. is respect is not. Well, the you word. just don't believe me. No, I don't it? believe. No, no. I, I've I've told him. I got to tell you, since I'm uh, I think 11 years old, we've referred to him as Stinky. I don't even know why, but uh, Takapina is coming on at 8:40. He went to poly prep with me, and he could attest to okay, it. Okay, then I want him to confirm. Fair these, enough. Some of these, like <laughs> the, one of the first <laughs> things I want you to come out like. Oh yeah, Sid. That's right. Was was Stinky there last night? 
<laughs> no, but Mark Simone was. Yeah. Uh, 77 WABC listeners get ready for the spookiest event of the year. I don't recall a snakey. I don't, I don't know. Is it, it wasn't that good on the air. I know that. It was overrated. Uh, Hollow's End Haunted House is creeping around the corner. And we've got your golden ticket to a night of thrills and chills. Yes, folks, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets to Hallow's End Haunted House at Berry Hawks Stadium on Staten Island. It's the ultimate Halloween extravaganza. It'll send shivers down your spine. This is true. This is an unbelievable event. Picture this. Haunted mazes, spine-tingling performances, and the scariest costumes in all of New York City. <laughs> all you have to do is sign up for the WABC VIP Club at wabcradio.com slash VIP for your chance to win a four-pack of tickets. Do not let this chance slip through your fingers. Hallow's End Haunted House at Berry Hawk Stadium on Staten Island awaits. And so does your destiny. Ooh. <laughs> Go to wbcradio.com slash VIP and uh, win some tickets. And, and it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's Friday the 13th, too. It is today. That's right. Oh, my God. I just looked at my phone. You're right. Today is, yeah. Yeah. Was Jason Voorhees one of the scarier ones? or Was that the The Jason? first one, it was, he was Friday the 13th. He was the hockey mask guy. No, I think the Freddy movies were scarier. Freddy Krueger? No, those. Nightmare were, on Elm Street. Oh, those first couple were scary. What about uh, Michael Myers' Halloween? Yeah, those things with a guy running around. Stupid. With a mask. Stupid. Stupid. And you couldn't, uh, the, the one thing about those movies, the first ones always scared me. First ones always scared me. But when you get to the point where you can't kill them, like they shoot an arrow into Jason Voorhees' eye. <laughs> Pulls it out, he's like, okay, that hurt, and I'm going to kill you. Like, what are we doing here? And then the last scene is his hand comes out of a, behind a rock or something. Something like that, yeah. Oh, oh, jumps I, out of a lake. Oh, Fre- Freddie 14 will be coming up next month. Well, you know what was scary with that was Carrie with Sissy Spacek. That was scary. When she went to the grave with the hand, you know, the hand came out of the grave. But but um, it's always the same formula. There's always uh, gorgeous young girls, handsome young guys, and, so, um, uh, and some poor black bastard is the first to die. <laughs> That's why African Americans are so pissed off. They're right about that. They're the first to die in every horror movie. There's only one of them. <laughs> it's like one of the Star Trek guys in the red uniform. Yeah. You know, they're dying first. They die first. Black guys, you're going to finish. Black girl, whatever. Thank God for Black Panther. It was a great movie, mind you. All right. we. Uh, <laughs> Brian Kilmeade was great. Curtis Sliwa was great. And we've got some great guests still to come, including Ray Kelly. Joseph Tacopina will go back live to Jerusalem, talk to Alex Trayman. How about my friend Carrie Lake, now running for Senate in Arizona, got the Donald Trump endorsement a couple of days ago. She's going to join us, too. And I think I did mention Andrew Giuliani coming up next. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. <laughs>
One of my favorite psychedelic first songs ever. It's 7.45 on your sunny Friday morning here in New York City. Welcome back to the self-proclaimed best talk show in the country. That's us. Me and uh, Louie and Justin and Noam and all of you folks out there. Again, bravo to Greg Kelly. That was great. His father, Ray Kelly, who most of us believe is the best police commissioner ever, ever, will join me coming up in about 20 minutes. I'll talk to famed defense attorney, my man, who was in the convertible Cadillac with me at the Columbus Day Parade on Monday, Trump's attorney, the great Joseph Tacopina at 840. We'll go back live to Jerusalem, speak to Alex Trayman on this Global Jihad Day. He's coming up at 9.05. And then my friend Carrie Lake, who announced this week she's officially running for Senate in the state of Arizona, being endorsed by Donald Trump. Carrie's been in studio. She loves this show. She will join us at 925. You know, Giuliani's about to come on, and um, on a really, really unimportant note, <laughs> when you consider the world is on fire and we're still collecting body parts. That, that's true. I'm not being overly dramatic and grotesque. They're still collecting body parts in Israel. Game one of an 82-game regular season in the NHL is a pimple on the ass of importance, but... With that said, I'm not going to lie, I found myself very interested in watching some of my Rangers season opening 5-1 to one win in Buffalo. Fania scored the first goal, but Kreider scored twice, and including a shorthanded goal. And I'm not a knee-jerk guy, folks. This is one game, one game of a long regular season, one game. But I'm here to tell you, we are going to win the Stanley Cup. Because I need you, okay? I, I, we were good it. last night. I mean, I see it. Shut up. The Islanders suck. That's your problem because they suck. Well, wait till game one and then you can say that. Well, they play the same on. team we murdered last night on Saturday. We'll see. The Islanders got nobody. Andrews right. Lee. Right. Who's the best player in the Islanders? I, I forgot already. It might be him. Oh, that's all you need to know, bro. No. Is Bobby Nystrom still there? Uh, he just retired. Bobby Nystrom is a jerk-off with a capital J, just so you know. I don't care. He, he won me cups. I yeah. He didn't he win you anything. He won you cups. He did. Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, Dennis Potman, and Billy Smith won you cups. The whole team won me cups. That's fine. Four in a row. And no that's one's fine. done it Well, listen, since. I say the same thing. No one's done the, it the, since. This whole team won the best damn morning show. But I'm Mike Bossy, goddammit. Okay. Yeah. Who am I? I don't know. Like, uh... Uh, 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 John Tonelli? Gord Lane? (laughs) (laughs) Gord Lane. Listen, nobody thought Arizona was going to win either. Okay? That's what happens. Tom Kniff, who is... Tom Kniff is like a really impressive guy. You don't understand. You don't understand. 
He ran for DA here. He should have beaten that fat, stupid bastard, Alvin Bragg. And now he's representing Daniel Penny. He's an attorney like Joe Tacopino and Artie Adalo. And uh, Knip, I didn't know this because he just texted me. He must be an Islander fan because he just texted me. You ready for this? Matt Barzo, baby. Barzell. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. He's so <laughs> oh, no, irrelevant. He's, he's, he's a nice player, Matt. He's, a nice, he's, he's fine. Just, he is fine. He's a nice player. He's, he's overrated. He's fine. He's overrated, I agree. Yeah. He's the, they, that's the best. But yeah. they, they've got a long way to go. Long way to go. We'll see what happens. I'm going to go on game one like you just They're going to be the worst team in the tri-state area. The Devils and Rangers are both much better. Anyway. On paper. Well, that's where they play the games, on paper. No, they do not. Oh, they don't? No. Uh, Tom Knipp <laughs> is not overrated. Neither is Andrew Giuliani. Uh, Andrew Giuliani. My main man, he uh, does a great podcast here. He used to do a Sunday show, but they pulled him for somebody. I don't know. And he's he's such a good guy, he doesn't complain about it. So I'm going to be the, the dick, I guess, and say, Andrew, I miss you on Sundays. I guess people watch the NFL. You know, what What do you want me to say? Look, he so, goes right He goes uh, right over it. He just goes right over it. This kid, you can tell he's a politician's kid. <laughs> Look, you know, Lou, Lou Dobbs, who I believe has a new hour on Sunday, is a guy who's been uh, – oh, he's I, great. I got to know a little bit in the White House. He's spectacular. He is spectacular. Um, and yeah. so I urge everybody to listen to Lou. And, and, look, you know, the thing that's interesting, you're talking about hockey right now. I have to admit, I missed the first game of the Rangers here. What? Uh, last night. What, are you I back did. in Lithuania or something? Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is the beautiful thing, right? We saw this on September 11th. What sports does at times like this, even though it seems so trivial, like you said, it's a pimple on the ass of all the other problems that are happening in the world right now. It's a moment for people to breathe and to try to get back to a place where they could look at a neighbor cheering for the same jersey, cheering for the same city, cheering for the same area and say, you know what? There are common bonds that draw us together. It's okay to have a deep breath. It's okay that there are in these moments of tragedy to be able to look at each other and say, you know what? This is what community is about. It will not all be terrible for so long. We obviously are going through a moment that is is so terrible in this world. Anybody who supports Israel, anybody who supports humanity, really, understands just how absurd what happened last Friday, last Saturday is. Uh, And the fact that there is an announced global day of jihad, which I know you and Curtis covered so well earlier in the hour, um, just shows you, hey, you know, what has happened in New York over the last year and a half? And can we trust that our security is strong enough when we have not identified all these people that are in this city? Well, that was a very nice way of attacking my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, and my friend, the police commissioner, Eddie Caban. No, I think (laughs) I don't think it's attacking them. I think it's just a a real statement. When you have one hundred and thirty thousand migrants here in New York, six million in the country. I agree. we we don't know who these people are. Well, that's we why, Andrew, that you, I know you know that Eric comes on about once a month, but I reached out to Eric and I said, do me a favor, come right back. And he was on yeah. two weeks ago. And I know you, you listened on Wednesday, Andrew, when he was on. Yeah. Because I am fearful and pretty confident, and Ray Kelly will confirm or deny this coming up in about 15 minutes. I'm almost sure that Hamas is here. I mean, you know, I know you've seen that list, those countries, that Donald Trump was labeled a racist and an Islamophobe because he cut off travel from countries like Yemen and Turkey and, and uh, Afghanistan and all these countries that want to kill us. There's been like 300,000 people that have come here since 2021 who snuck yeah. in Andrew Giuliani. Yeah. And by the way, I want to make a little distinction before. I- I'm calling 
Eric Adams an idiot. I'm not calling Eddie Kaman. I think Eddie Kaman is actually good. I think he's in a very tough job. I actually saw him a couple of weeks ago. I've known Eddie Kaman for 25 years, and I think he'd be very good at the job. Let's just hope that City Hall stays out of his way. Oh, so let's way, stay right there. Not. Let's stay right there. Not, yeah. Then, then I think he'll. Then I think he'll do a good job. Okay. Well, listen. He may fall to be the same victim that Keyshawn Sewell was. But let's go back to the beginning of that statement. You think yeah. Eric Adams is an idiot? Now we know this history there because Eric called your father a racist. So even before you started evaluating what he was doing with the city, because you're a great son and a terrific kid. There was some animosity there. Why did you just call Eric Adams an idiot in this case? Well, because probably he called somebody else a racist that kind of started this problem here in New York. As Curtis Lee was said before, Greg Abbott, he started calling Greg Abbott a racist last year. And guess what? That's when Greg Abbott said, you know what? Okay, here's a problem that we've had. We've had three million immigrants come in at the time, undocumented illegals come in at the time into Texas. New York City, you're a sanctuary city. You take them. Thanks a lot, Eric Adams. So to me, it it has nothing to do with what he said about my father. Of course, look, personally, I think that's disgusting, grotesque. And I think if you look at anybody in the history of New York, since Hudson came down this river over here, there's nobody that's done more for African-American New Yorkers than Rudolph Giuliani. So it's just factually wrong. But on top of that, when you think about the problem that New York has right now, Eric Adams invited that. We can talk about, well, Eric Adams is saying the right things. He's going to the press conference. He's saying this. He's doing that. The truth is he called Eric, he called uh, Greg Abbott a racist. He's the one that said that we'll take them in no matter what. And that's why we are in this problem today right now. He underestimated. He didn't have a plan for it. And I don't know if he still has a plan for it at this moment. Andrew, you uh, you talked about Eric Adams. You talked about your father. Let's go to a guy that you worked for faithfully and loyally for four years and a guy that you see and talk to all the time. He really loves you, and that's President Donald Trump. I was talking to Kilmeade in the 6 o'clock hour. So Trump yeah. does this stuff all the time. You know, Trump came out and said, hey, Vladimir Putin's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. So Joe and Mika, those two animals, they go mm-hmm. on the, the, the next month. They go, oh, Trump is best friends with Putin. He compliments him. No, no, no. He said he's a smart guy. By the way, he is a smart guy. So Trump comes out a couple of days ago and goes, I got to tell you, Hamas, Hezbollah, they're the smart ones here. And Netanyahu looks bad. Well, I got news for you. He's right again because there's no way in a million years practicing in, in, in literally movie sets, Israeli villages, right in Gaza, they should have pulled this off. Now, if you want to say inartful, maybe too soon, Fine. But the truth is, once again, like it or not, Donald Trump is right. Is he not? Look, he is right. And here's the thing. Calling somebody smart doesn't mean calling somebody good. You can have somebody who is very smart, who is also one of the most evil people in the world, which is what you have in Vladimir Putin. That's what you have with Kim Jong-un. Un is actually a smart guy. But guess what? He's also one of the most evil people who is killing his people by the thousands and thousands each year, right? It's the same exact thing. I hate to say this because then you have people that end up going you know, crazy about this. But who is the most evil person of the 20th century? Maybe the most evil person oh, listen, in the world. And, and, and the guy you're about to mention was a very smart guy. And I'm a Jew. And, and I'm the most gonna, Adolf Hitler. Person. Adolf Hitler. Here's the, here's the deal. He would not have come into power if he was not smart. He would not have stayed in power if he was not smart. And that's what made him so dangerous. That's the whole idea. If you underestimate your opponents 
on a foreign policy level, which Trump never did. I think maybe Obama's done that. Maybe Biden has done that because the media seems to. Yeah, exactly. Because the media seems to think, well, you know what? If he's calling him smart, they love him. No, what it means is he's not underestimating them. He is taking them seriously, and he is making sure that the full weight of the American government is focused on their every move. That's why with the smart guy, the evil genius like Putin, that's why Trump put 31 different sanctions on him. You know what I looked at with Iran yesterday when I was covering for my father on the show, Sid? I wanted to look and say, well, you know what? Trump has talked about this and that. How many sanctions did Trump end up putting on Iran? Because Biden and the administration and Blinken has been saying that the $6 billion was released because of a Trump-era policy. You know what? Trump put 1,500 sanctions on Iran. That's a sanction a day over his presidency that Trump ended up putting on Iran. So don't tell me that he underestimated these people. He didn't. He knew exactly who he was dealing with. He was dealing with evil smart people. And that's why he is fit to be president. And sadly, this guy, Biden, I don't know if he's fit to be the president of the next nursing home. He's <laughs> well, I don't want to compare myself to these people, but am I smart? Yeah, you're smart. Of course, you're smart. Okay. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And and you're, you know, and you're Evil. beautiful, too, I guess. I don't know. What do you want me to say? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw the way you looked in that Cadillac over here, you and Takapina. And uh, those are two, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't go that way, well, but uh, he's two good-looking guys. Well, thank you. You actually, you actually said to me at uh, lunch uh, last Friday when I got a chance to see your beautiful wife, Z, and your beautiful little girl, Grace, before you went to Tampa and got with all these uh, big machas, you actually yeah. said at the Empire Steakhouse that I don't look a, a day over 40, even though in You're April I'll good. be 57, so. You look good. I think I said I, I want to be honest here. Yeah. You know, or, I think you said you don't look a day over forty-five. Well, you're you twelve years you're fine. on. Fine, I embellish. But you look. I would say like forty-three is accurate. I'd say you look forty-three. <laughs> you look about thirteen to fourteen years younger than you are, which is pretty darn good. There are very few people, I think, in the world you could say that look twelve, thirteen, fourteen years younger. So you're you're winning on that one, big time. I'll take it. So uh, on a final note, you know, thank you very much. I love you to pieces. Uh, The world is getting involved in this. I know that uh, the U.K., for example, well, they did something yesterday. I don't know exactly what they did, but they're all getting involved. And you're not that far removed from being in Lithuania with your uh, wife's family not that long ago. How do you think um, the world has reacted to this? And when I say the world, I don't mean Columbia and Harvard and Ron Kuby, all these lowlives here in New Mm -hmm. York. How do you think the world has reacted here? Well, I think they've reacted. Here's the thing. If you look at the initial reactions of the Blinkens of the world, of even the U.S. Embassy in Israel, they immediately went to ceasefire. That was their initial reaction. They had to retract that. Now they are saying the right thing. So I would say the initial reaction for many people was poor. Right now they're saying the right things. But I have to tell you, when Israel starts rooting out these terrorists in Gaza, when they start going on these defensive campaigns, because that's what they are. They are campaigns to make sure that other Israelis do not go through the same genocide that just happened last week. Let's see how the world reacts then, because this is going to take some time. And we know this is not just about going and dropping a bomb on Gaza and saying, it's all done. You are going to have to root out these terrorists in the tunnels that they've built, in the underground bomb shelters that they've built. This is going to take time, and this is going to take resolve. So let's see how these world leaders start reacting next week, the week after, next month, because if you really want to solve this problem, it is going to take some time. It's not something that we're going to be able to solve by Thanksgiving, let's say. It's going to take a little bit of time, and that's when we're going to see 
where these world leaders really stand on this. Andrew Giuliani, great again. Every Friday, you are tremendous on this show. I just want you and Z and Grace and your father, Rudy, and all your folks, Donna, everybody to stay safe. I don't think anything happens here in New York today, despite the Hamas threat. It didn't stop me from coming from Queens to Manhattan, but just be safe and thank you for a great appearance, and I love you, so thank you. Ah, uh, thank you, Sid. You know what? You were so nice that you, you don't look a day over 40. <laughs> 40, 40, you know. I just gained three years in three minutes. <laughs> Andrew, you were great. I love you, pal. Thank you. He, uh, he really is terrific. Great kid. Brilliant. The apple did not fall far from the tree. Andrew Giuliani. Only halfway through, folks. Still to come. Still. The best police commissioner in the history of New York. Is Hamas already here? I asked the mayor. Now I'm going to ask Ray Kelly, famed defense attorney Joseph Takapina. A live visit with Alex Trayman in Jerusalem. And she's now running for Senate in the state of Arizona. Endorsed by both Donald Trump and Sid Rosenberg, my friend Carrie Lake. Final two hours of the Friday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. About to come your way. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Love this song, Steve Winwood. Love it. Shout out to uh, some folks listening all over the country today. Kelly Brink, Heshi Ogenbaum here in Brooklyn. Thank you for, for listening. We've got a very wide-ranging audience. You know, one of the things that really annoys me about New Yorkers, and I'm going to make my next guest very uncomfortable when I say it, I know I am, but I don't care. <laughs> That's why he loves me New York loves me. Don't ever put Bill Bratton and Ray Kelly in the same sentence, ever. Not in front of me. Bill was fine. Ray Kelly is far and away, far and away, the greatest police commissioner in the history of this city. Anybody who argues that, A, is stupid, and B, risks getting punched across the face. What's C? We don't want to know C, bro. I just... I just want to know where. I don't have to see yet. Just leave me alone. Jesus. I want to know how bad it gets. Here he is, the greatest of all time. (laughs) 
So my friend, right. he did it twice. He was so good, Ray Kelly. Ray, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Great to be with you. My my head is swelling. Thank <laughs> you so much. I mean it, though. <laughs> it it is true. It is true. And I have to tell you, after the uh, Israelis were attacked on Saturday, and I get stopped every day, Ray. They're like, hey, man, Sid, are we next? Are we next? I, I hear that, I don't know, Ray, ten times a day, and... You know, often I have to quote you, to be honest. And, well, Hamas is here, and, and Ray Kelly worked on uh, on all of that. So I know that, for example, you had the counterterrorism NYPD unit. And they had about 1,000 cops. And I had the mayor on, Eric Adams, on Wednesday. And he said, it still exists, but we've kind of reallocated them. It didn't sound like they were as intact as the unit that you had. Do you believe they're intact? And if they're not... How much do we need them on a day like today? Well, they're hurting. They, they're losing cops certainly more than they can hire to to replace them. So they're going to have to get those uh, officers to get in the radio cars to answer those 911 calls. they got to get them from someplace. They, they're having great difficulty still in hiring uh, replacements for the cops that are basically hemorrhaging, leaving the department still in great numbers. I thought that the contract with the PVA would would quiet that down. Apparently, it has not. Cops are are still living, and that's a real problem. So, yeah, he he had to had to reallocate, and I understand that. You know, we 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 don't have thirty five, uh, thirty four, thirty six thousand, whatever number it is now. Uh, it's much less than that because there's the, we don't have the true number. So it's a time of great strain. They're spending a lot of overtime. Uh, they have cops in the, certainly in the poor areas of the city that cut down on shootings. They have been in the subway on overtime. So this stress pretty thin. And I understand that he, he does have to reallocate. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, the, the total number of cops is probably closer to 31,000 than 36, which is a big difference, a huge difference in that number. So I'll ask you flat out, Ray Kelly, you dealt with Hamas. You've dealt with these hate groups before, getting all the way back to 9-11. Yes or no, Ray Kelly, do you think those people are here, ready to inflict damage, maybe not today, but at some point? Well, I think that's not, has to be the planning assumption. Uh, we know certainly that Hamas supporters are here. This is still the capital of the world. We have the U.N. here. We have the international traffic that comes through New York. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we have to uh, think about every day, that uh, they're here, they want to hurt us, they want to kill us. And, uh, you know, as the mayor said, you've got to worry about lone wolf, and, and that's true. But it's it's a dangerous time and a, and a dangerous world, and New York is still number one target. It's Not, the capital of the world. They want to come here. Yeah, and there's more they Jewish. Hurt us again. There's more Jewish people here than any other state in the country. I mean, you know, I actually spoke to the police commissioner now, Eddie Caban, who's a very sweet. I happen to like Eddie. He ain't you, yeah. But, and uh, he was very willing and able to provide me with a police detail because he was worried. I'm a Jewish guy with a big voice in this city, you know. Um, so I, I think they agreed with you. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, because Curtis Sliwa, of course, loves you and passes me a lot of information. Did you or did you not assign NYPD cops to outposts throughout the Middle East? Because that's brilliant. And why wouldn't the MB, uh, NYPD still do something like that? 
Well, they do. They they still have it in place. Yes, uh, we had them in the, the UAE. We had them in. Uh, oh, I had them in twelve twelve cities. I know now. I just heard in the paper that they're looking to put somebody in Colombia. I don't know if that's good or not, but they they still have uh, in the program. But what they acted as is sort of listening posts or grip wires for us. Now we learned from them. Yeah, you know, we had cops in, and still have them. I hope in uh, in Paris, in London, in in Madrid, in Toronto, in Montreal, uh, and and because of the size and diversity of the NYPD, most of those cops are either born there or have relatives there. Uh, you know, the, the officer that we had in Paris, born in Paris. Uh, same thing in, in as far as Madrid. So. And we used to pride ourselves on knowing the dialects of of a lot of places, of a lot of countries. For instance, in the, you know Egypt, there's a, there's a lot of different uh, dialects. But we had people who understood those the, the languages, those dialects. We, we used to say that we had people who know the back streets of Karachi. Mm. We had when I was there, we had cops born in 106 countries. No other police department in the world could come anywhere close. So it, it gave us tremendous diversity and, and certainly uh, the ability to, I think, monitor uh, more closely some of the, the people that we were concerned about here in, in New York. But your gut tells you that uh, right now the police force still has, they're still doing a lot of that, yes? Yes. yes. Okay, uh, good. Rebecca right. Wiener, who yeah. I uh, recruited on up to Harvard and, and recruited her, she's now in charge of operations there i think she's committed to keeping that that, that program in place it's very yeah. very uh helpful very very useful we get a lot of information two-way flow of information ray kelly the uh, greatest police commissioner ever and by the way a very nice guy and the dad of uh, greg kelly who does a great job here every day one to three today is the muslim day of prayer you know that friday jim the nypd i know you guys just have undercover arab speaking cops in the congregation they would listen they would sit there just to make sure there are no threats of terrorism especially a day like today not just a day of prayer but as you know ray hamas has called for this to be the global jihad day uh, not just in israel but all over the world uh, Eric Adams, I believe, is on record saying that was a bad strategy. Why would he say that? What was a bad strategy? Having uh, police officers sit in these Arab-speaking congregation houses of prayer to actually find out what these people are talking about and if, in fact, uh, they're threatening us again. Oh, gee, well, I mean, I think it's a very good strategy. It was an effective strategy. In the 12 years of the Bloomberg administration, we had no successful terrorist attack uh, in New York City, even though we had 16 plots. So we did an awful lot to make certain that happened. And, uh, you know, and I think Eric is, is being politically uh, correct. And the Blasio administration settled so many of these cases, which were, you know, ridiculous and no reason to to do that. But that's, you know, he's, he's trying to stay uh Stay on message with the progressives. I guess. I mean, I got to tell you, Ray, maybe because I'm Jewish and I take this a little personal. Not that it doesn't matter to everybody else. I know it does, but I am Jewish. I just don't care about politically correct. In fact, I heard your son. He was great. He he, uh, did a little report with Bob Brown earlier. And he said, and I agree 100 percent, I'm not interested in both sides of the story right now. I'm sorry. That doesn't mean I want innocent Palestinian 
women and children murdered in the streets. I don't want that. But I'm just not interested in how they feel right now. That doesn't make me a bad human being. That makes me, a, you know, a, a caring Jewish male here in New York City. Yes? Yes. You know, a couple of years ago, I did an uh, anti-Semitism examination for the World Jewish Congress and Ron Lauder in Europe. And I was shocked to see how, how high the anti-Semitism feelings are in, in Europe, in France in, in particular. And in that study, I also looked at some college campuses here, and I was surprised to find SJP, Students for Justice in Palestine. They have chapters on over 100 colleges in this, in this country. They're very, very active. They're, they see their mission in life is to harass all the Jewish students who are in, in the school. And I never hear them mentioned. I never read anything about them. You see those demonstrations at the University of North Carolina, certainly Columbia, NYU. It's SJP that are that are oh. behind them, and they are a dangerous group in my. In and they my are, mind. And, and they're very yeah. prevalent. You're right. Harvard, we've seen this week, even Brooklyn College, and it's uh, it's scary. Listen, Ray, we're only a couple of months removed from that uh, young lady, that animal. That's what she is delivering that uh, that speech. She was a valedictorian. When she went up there and uh, and obliterated Jews and New Yorkers, and I had Alan Dershowitz on yesterday. He's a brilliant attorney. There's nobody more pro-Israel than Alan, and um, he wants every student to be named. He wants name and shame to go on because, like you said, it's even more prevalent than people think. It's really gross. Right, right. Uh, I think that's great. Yeah, putting those names out there was a brilliant. Uh idea and uh you know if you go to these campuses you'd be shocked at how hard line these people are and how open they are about it Mm. well you can see some of it now it's on the news yeah but uh you know it it, it is there all the time and Mm. quite frankly it's it's something that should uh, it should concern us quite a bit i hope they're being investigated and you know in the appropriate way uh, i'm concerned about it I am, too. So to wrap this uh, great conversation up, I, I did reach out to Eddie Caban a couple of days ago, the current police commissioner. And, again, I like him. He, he gets back to me in, in seconds, literally. And I said, you know, is this threat credible, this Hamas threat for this global jihad? Should I be concerned about going to work on Friday? And he was very, very sweet. He really was. And then, of course, he told New Yorkers what they were going to do, which is more cops on the street, blah, blah, blah. Assuming you were still here, Ray, and a lot of us wish you were. Assuming you were still here as a police commissioner, as soon as that threat comes across the Internet, what would you be doing today in New York City? I think you have to be doing what, what they're doing. Uh, you know, they have limited resources, as I said. They're using what they have. They're trying to give a, a, a certain comfort level to, to the public, certainly to the, the Jewish community. You'll see cops that... Uh, uh, shuls and synagogues and uh, uh, even at uh, uh, Muslim uh, uh, locations. Uh, yeah, there's only so much that you can do. Look, we are a target. We have 10 million people a day that come in here on a, on a business. And just this tremendous flow of, of traffic. Could we have an event happen here? Yes. What we try to do is make it as you know, unlikely as, as possible. And uh, I hope they're doing a lot of the things that, that we did. You know, we brought in a lot of people from uh, the, the federal agencies, CIA, DIA, 
DEA, FBI, we brought them in. Now, those people are gone. They're not in the police department, for the most part, for the most part. And I hope their expertise, their skill sets, have been transferred to uniformed police officers, because that's who's doing the doing the job now. Uh, you got to keep that expertise level as high as possible. Send people to school. I know Eddie Cabana's in Qatar, and hey, okay, you know, we got to give him an opportunity to show what he can do, and uh, we want him to mingle with uh, other security people. You know, communication is uh, is the key. Uh, we did have, I assume we still have great communication with the with the French, with the English, certainly with the Canadians, Australians, New Zealand, those, those countries are very tight. We call them the five eyes. And, uh, you know, you've got to get out there and, and mingle with them. And I think it's uh, it's a good sign that Eddie is there. Maybe not today, but, he's, hmm. you know, he's, he, he's there. And he's uh, looks like he's interested in the, in the issue. So, yeah, well, so uh, on the way out, uh, you said maybe not today. And I like Eddie a lot. I've told you that three times already. But uh, assuming you were still commissioner, Ray Kelly would be in New York. No place else. Fair to assume? Yes. Sure. Okay. going to be where the action is. Or it could be. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Ray, I, I love you to pieces. I do. I think, uh, you know, you're, you're a great friend and a terrific man. You're a great police commissioner, and you remain a very, very important voice here in New York. So thank you for joining me on this Friday. And stay safe and be well. Okay, buddy? Thank you so much, Sid. Yes, you too. Thanks. Thank you. There he is, former New York Police Commissioner Ray Kelly. you got to love Ray Kelly. I guess uh, am I going to take a break here, come back, and talk to Ricky Gold and Joe Tacopino? Let's do that. Thank you, Ray Kelly. That was great stuff. Ricky Gold, Joe Tacopino, a live visit to Jerusalem. You don't want to miss that coming up with Alex Treman. That's at 9-10. And Carrie Lake, she's running for Senate, endorsed by Donald Trump and Sid Rosenberg. She's coming up at 9-30. Steve Winwood and Sid Rosenberg on a Friday. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. You know, it's so nice. I um, keep getting text messages and phone calls. It's a great song, too. Oh, isn't uh, his birthday today somebody from Chicago? Who is this now? The guy you kind of... Peter Satira is singing. Right, but Lamb is... Robert Robert Lamb. Yeah. What did he do on the band? Piano, keyboards. And he wrote the songs. But play some of this. I like this song. I'd like to know. Good stuff. You know, Rebecca Weiner, who Ray Kelly actually hired for counterterrorism, he mentioned her during the conversation. She's on New York One right now. So, But I was saying before I just burped from my uh, bagel earlier. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, know, you and Joe Nolan eat yeah, the same stuff. Same stuff. So that um, so many people have been texting me and uh, sending me messages this morning to be safe. And in fact, some of our own coworkers who pussies and come to work. So. 
<laughs> texting you from home. Yeah. <laughs> not even be safe. I'm like, where are you? I'm like, uh, like I'm home. I go, I'm not home. Home. <laughs> what are you doing, man? This is we're New Yorkers. We don't do that. Stay. We don't do that here. We're New Yorkers. You do that. You know. You remember after 9/11, when people stopped going out to dinner or stopped going to ball games. What did they say? You do that, the terrorists win. I'm not saying going to do dick here today, but they want you to be scared, and you're playing right into it. I mean, if you come to work and you die, at least you you, you die a, a martyr. You know, you, it's you show some balls. Staying home, who, who stays home? Who does that? <laughs> Staying home. I think they might be laughing at us if we came in and uh, something happened. Well, told you. Come on, man. No, no, it's stupid. That is. Come to work, bro. Just come. Just, you got to. What are you going to do? Why would you announce and right. then do it after you, if you were a terrorist? Ron. Ron. You, you, you think Joey Borgen's not going to work or Dove Hiking? He went to Israel or Hamra, any of these guys? Yeah, come on. Now, tomorrow, you're New Yorkers. You're tough. Tomorrow I'm staying in. Well, me too. Because it's going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the rain. Uh, we're going to talk to Joe Tacopina coming up in about uh, eight minutes. Then we're going to go live to Jerusalem. This guy, Alex Trayman, talking about Courageous, he's been amazing. And he's going to join us live. Uh, they had a quiet day yesterday. There are rockets being fired as we speak in Israel today. So we'll talk to Alex, and then we'll talk to Carrie Lake. Ricky Gold. Just a quick departure from the horror talk. Ricky, of course, is with uh, Juice Reel. Uh, that's J-U-I-C-E, Reel, R-E-E-L. And despite what's going on in Israel and around the world, that's not going to stop you degenerates from betting all your money on college football tomorrow and the NFL on Sunday. And you probably laid the 11 and a half with the Chiefs last night. No, he lost because they won by 11. So well, here he is, my friend Ricky Gold. Ricky, good morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Sid. You know, I'm, I'm doing uh, as, as well as I can. I mean, crazy times, tragic, scary, yeah. but uh, yeah. hopefully sports at least uh, gives a little bit of relaxation that I'm sure uh, a lot of us need. You know what I saw this week? I was actually thinking about you, you son of a bitch. Um, there was <laughs> One of the most violent pro-Palestinian rallies in the whole United States was at your college, University of Florida. What was that all about? <laughs> You know, you know, uh, there's a lot of things in Florida that you, you know will surprise you, and you may not like a lot of things you will like. And uh, <laughs> that's one, I guess. <laughs> Footballs, I guess, one of them that I'm not liking that much either. <laughs> All right, Ricky. On a serious note, you're a terrific kid. Your father Stephen's a great man too. The AI bots, I know they keep winning. Uh, they've been winning all three of them. I know it's uh, well above fifty percent. This uh, robo AI guy on Juice Reel. So quickly before you make your four or five picks for the weekend, give me how that whole thing works. Yeah, I can tell you how. Uh, without giving away too much of the secret sauce, I'll tell you how the the AI uh, in the Juice Reel app works. Uh, as I'm sure your users, uh, listeners know at this point, the way that our app works is you connect in your as a sports better. You connect in your DraftKings account, connect in your FanDuel account, your bookie account, wherever. And all of your bets automatically load into our app. And we show you analytics on yourself, like how you're doing on straight bets versus parlays. What are your best teams? What are your worst teams? What can you do to be a better better? But what we do with all of that data when, you know, tens of thousands of people connect in their bets 
is we look at what the best people are doing, what the worst people are doing, what everybody's betting on. And that's what the uh, the bots are really sifting through. They're sifting through mountains and mountains of data with the whole objective of pick two two bets out of all the bets that are possible and, and give them out to all of our users at noon. Uh, and that's that's really how it works. It's just sifting through the the mountains of data that everyone connects in uh, to find the best two bets for the, for the day every day. Perfect. So let's get to uh, two big college games tomorrow. One is my alma mater, one of my four, actually. <laughs> and uh, Joe Tacopina's favorite college football program, that's Miami. They come off a very ugly loss to Georgia Tech, but they've got North Carolina. And if they have any designs on, on really having a good year, they need to beat the Tar Heels, which ain't going to be easy. Miami, North Carolina, what does Juice Real tell you? My, Miami really needs this game, but, you know, North Carolina 5-0, and and seeing, by the looks of our app, uh, so far a lot of the uh, sharpest bettors are on North Carolina, uh, and a lot of the worst bettors are on Miami. Uh, data is suggesting North Carolina takes it with a minus three spread. Lay the uh, points. I, I, I hate to say it, but I agree with that. they got a terrific quarterback at uh, Carolina, too. In fact, uh, Duke and Carolina have two great quarterbacks. Let's go to one other college game, both in the top ten. This is a huge game out west. The seventh-ranked team against the eighth-ranked team. It's Oregon. Uh, of course, they got a big-time quarterback with Bo Nix. And Washington, they've got a big-time quarterback. How about that game, Oregon and Washington? Yeah, this looks like the game of the weekend, uh, two 5-0 and teams. Uh, data in our app is suggesting Washington uh, to get it done, lay the three-and-a-half there as well. Okay, so the, say that again. You like Oregon or Washington? Washington. Washington. Okay, so take North Carolina, take Washington. Quickly, three NFL games. The Giants are getting 14-and-a-half against the Buffalo Bills. If the Bills would have beaten Jacksonville in London last week, I consider taking the Giants, but the Bills are angry. They come up a loss at three and two. I really believe my Giants are the worst team in the NFL. That's a huge spread. I would lay it. What does Juice Real say? Uh, Juice Real saying that yeah, even fourteen and a half it may not be enough right. for for the Giants, right. uh, unfortunately. I agree. Whether Daniel Jones plays or not, they're going to lose by 30. The Jets, different story. Got their second win of the year last week, beat Denver. They're in these games. They almost beat Kansas City. They're getting a full touchdown against one of the only two unbeaten teams in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. Do the Jets keep it within a touchdown? Yeah, different story uh, indeed. It looks like uh, the our, our data suggests the best betters on the Jets, worst betters on the Eagles so far. So the Jets, uh, it's looking like they're covered. But, uh, of course, you know, it's, it's Friday. Those games are on Sunday. And there's a lot more data that's going to be loaded into our app. So, you know, I, I always uh, suggest checking checking it right around game time. All right, so one, watching the trends as it gets there. Right, right. Well, one more for you anyway. The Dolphins, a lot of Miami fans here in New York. So the Dan Marino days, of course. Every kid in Bensonhurst and Bay Ridge wanted to be Dan Marino. Uh, and they've looked great. They blew out the Giants last week. And they're a big favorite, double-digit favorite, hosting the winless Bryce Young-led Carolina Panthers. I would lay the points with the Bills over the Giants. I would also lay the points with the Dolphins over the Panthers. What does Juice Reel say? Yeah, another game with a huge spread. Uh, our data is leaning slightly towards the Carolina Panthers. Really? Uh, the, with, with those uh, 13 and a half. 
They haven't covered yet. Even the Vikings covered against them two weeks ago. I disagree. I like the Dolphins. All right, so in review, Ricky Gold and Juice Reel, he's telling us uh, take Washington in that big game against Oregon, take North Carolina in their big matchup against the Hurricanes, take the Bills minus the points against the Giants, take the Jets plus the points against the Eagles, and the Panthers plus the points against Miami. As always, Ricky Gold, great job, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Sid. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Juice Reel, folks, download that app today. Start winning your plays on the weekend. J-U-I-C-E-R-E-E-L. By the way, if you laid 130 with the Rangers last night, you won. Hockey Rangers, my team started the year with a 5-1 to road win in Buffalo. Two goals for Kreider. And uh, the Devils with 250 last night. So you had to lay the goals. They didn't cover. They won 4-3. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Krebs from the corner. One with Gergensen's and Caliposo trying to work their way out. Power and Yoki Haru on the back end. They'll defend here. Shot stopped by Nima. Rebound scores. Rebound of Lafreniere. Banked it into the empty net, and the Rangers take the 1 0 lead. Rangers shorthanded for another minute 10, and here comes Zibanejad into the Buffalo zone. Sends it to the net, they score, shorthanded goal. Kreider following up on the play. And it's 4 1 with 8.26 to go in the third period. There's a change of pace, a fantasy and taste. for fantasy, Danielle's favorite, he the man. And uh, those Ranger goals from last night, so I'm having this, uh, my monthly uh, boys' dinner, me and Keith Kantrowitz, and I love all these guys, Paul Carlucci, and my best buddy of all, Anthony Carone, and Governor David Patterson, and there's a packed house, Mark Simone, um, who am I missing here, uh, Mike Oranger, and Jade Chan, it was a packed house, it was fun. And I'm getting text messages from the most important attorney in the world. I mean, in the world. I'm not kidding you. And he's not texting me about Israel. And he's not texting me about his client, Donald Trump. It's 2 nothing Rangers. And I get a text that says, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and that text came from, again, the biggest and baddest defense attorney in the world, Joseph Takapina. And I said, um, there's a reason why we're best friends. We're both idiots. It's an 82-game season. Last night meant nothing. And yet, 
we were excited that the Rangers beat the Buffalo Sabres. That's why we were voted at one point least likely to succeed when we were in poly prep. Reasons like that. But we got the last laugh because last I checked, he was in a convertible Cadillac with me on Columbus Day at the parade. So let's go Rangers, right, Joe? <laughs> Listen, I don't even know why we need to play the other 81 games. Honest to God. I mean, <laughs> here we have the cup. They should just go right to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, this is, it's outrageous. What I saw last night was a juggernaut. I mean, it was amazing. Sid. It was great. And, you know, by the way, they scored more goals in that first game than they did the entire preseason put together. So it was, uh, you know, and, and, and what I loved about it, you had some young players in there. That William Cooley, she was phenomenal last night. I don't even know, you know who that is, but he's a, he's yeah. a tough kid who came from Hartford. Yeah. Lafayette was amazing last night. Of course, finally, it was quite a week. We had that chat finally. Yeah, his two fifty goal seasons in a row didn't do that for him. No, not quite. Oh, no, man. not quite. Oh, Lafayette, he sucked last year. That whole oh, kid line Lafanier, sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Lafayette, but Lafayette was amazing. No, he sucked last and year. He played defense. He played defense. No, last night. He sucked. No, last night he was great. I know. Listen, Joe. I'm excited, but it's one. I mean, true, one love. game. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but I love what I saw. you know. You, you, you know, know La- you, Joseph Laviolette. Laviolette's a different coach. Oh, I love Pete. Indeed, La- 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 I'll he's, give you. I'll give you a funny story about Laviolette. Yeah. Uh, years ago, when he was coaching the Islanders, you remember those days? Yeah, of course. I was hosting the midday show at WFAN with Jody McDonald and Lavaliette. Uh, uh, Mike and the Man Dog wasn't his favorite show. I mean, he loved me and Jody. And he would call in, I swear to God, on off days when the Islanders weren't playing as Pete from Uniondale. You know? Yeah. And he would call in and be like, Sid. And I loved him. I was so excited when he got the job with the Rangers. Now, you do realize if for some reason Donald Trump gets a copy of these three minutes, he's going to fire you today. Today. Well, no. You know, I was keeping my eye on the screen, on the side, as I was preparing for a trial. So it wasn't really like I was focused on it. You, know, you understand that? I mean, it was just, it was just, uh, <laughs> listen, the Rangers, the world stops for that two hours. I understand. I'm sorry. But, but are, are you, the Rangers are the Rangers. But I know, but are you actually preparing for a trial? Is that true? I'm on trial, yes. I'm actually on trial in Washington, D.C. So, um, and, and I'll be down here over the weekend preparing to have some award ceremony tomorrow. And, but yeah, I'm actually preparing for a trial. But the Rangers, it's like two and a half hours and it was there. It wasn't like I was super focused on it. I mean, but I didn't catch every icing, for example. Right. But all five goals, I saw. Well, so, you know, you mentioned this, uh, this event coming up tomorrow night and you kind of glossed over it because you are humble. And you and I had the chance again to spend Columbus Day together and I had the best time. I've been there for three years. This year, far and away, was the best time for me and you and I and Joe Piscopo. And we had a great lunch, you and I, together. It was just a wonderful day. And um, you're not just getting some award. I think Piscopo is going to be there, too. Maybe Maria Bartiromo as well. You are being honored, I believe, is, is the Italian-American. What's going on tomorrow night? It's, 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 it's actually during the day, but it's at Georgetown University. Um, and it's uh, – I really don't know what the hell it is, honestly, but some award of excellence, Italian excellence in culture and whatnot. So wow. uh, I guess they ran out of candidates this year. Um, they couldn't find anyone else available. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but they gave it to me. It's the International Culture Center um, uh, of Italy. And so it's, it's sponsored by the Italian government, actually. Wow. Um, but it's done here in America. So, yeah, yeah. So it's at Georgetown University tomorrow. But it'll be a quick thing. I have to get back to work anyway. Right? No, I know. So, but that's a big yeah, deal. It's a cool thing. I mean, it's a big yeah, deal. I mean, it's, yeah. it's nice. I appreciate my mom and dad would be. Thrilled and proud and happy, so you know yeah. that's great. For I was that. I, I was actually I was actually thinking about Josephine and Cosmo on Monday. They would have been proud on that day too. And you me, know, me too. You actually said that to me. 
And boy, if they, because they were so into their Italian heritage. They really yeah. were. Um, and they loved it. And, you know, there was everything beautiful about Italy. They loved everything, you know, the stereotypes they hated. But, but when we were in that parade together, Sid, it was something I thought that they could look down from the skies and see that. That would have been one of the greatest yeah. moments of their lives. I know. They, you know, we're so proud of that. I know. And that was thanks to you, brother, by the way. I'm no, no, no. With no. you. Um, I, I felt like I was riding in a Cadillac with Elvis Presley. <laughs> it was understood. I, I could not believe the amount of people screaming your name. I mean, it's like, what the? You, you had to wave down perfectly. You had that clean wave. We don't really like wave your hand like we, I would wave. You had that tilt of the hand where yeah. you were slightly tilting the hand. It was amazing. You were just... It was like riding. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Oh, thank God. Of course, I was replaying the Kennedy assassination. I know. You're worried about that. Right. Yeah, we were. Looking up at every window, like, here, it's going to happen. You know that. Convertible, yeah. I hope Danielle's not listening to that part, the people who are yelling my name, because she always says, her and my son always say, you're not famous, yet you're just very well known. And we started the day with, it was me, you, Johnny Tobacco, and Charlie Gasparino. And then what I thought was cool, before we get to Trump, was... A lot of the folks parked on that street, because it took us two hours to get up that street. It was such a crowded parade. And I think we were on 46th and 5th, and uh, Angelo Bibolo was there and John Amargo Katsimatidis. And um, there were a bunch of Italian dignitaries who spoke fluent Italian, and every one of them walked over to you. And then we saw a kid, this was great, who actually was a fan of your Italian soccer club who just moved here, who called your name from the streets. I thought that was very, very cool. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, look, it, it was it was really nice to speak to some of the Italian dignitaries and to speak in Italian with them and, and enjoy and see all different parts of that culture, the Sicilians behind us. You know, it was really, really fun. It was a great experience. I've never been part of that parade. I've never been in or at that parade. Wow. So it was something different for me. It was really an yeah. amazing experience. And, I, again, I thank you very much. No, you're welcome. It was fun to do. I should have done it two nice years ago. People appreciating me, you know. Yeah. It was nice to see people appreciating and and yeah. things like that. So it was great. It was great. But I needed, and I needed that parade. I needed that parade with you that day because obviously yeah. Saturday morning, what happened in Israel, and and I told you probably ten times throughout that day that I was just having a hard time enjoying anything. But so I needed that parade in that day because it did. It didn't take my mind off of Israel, but it was a good distraction, right? Yeah, it was, and and you know, look, uh, obviously. You being Jewish and, and, and being tied to Israel made it much more difficult for you than for me. But I still have relatives that are Jewish. And I still have a, you know, look, you don't have to be Jewish. You have to be human to feel for those people and to feel for what's been happening there and see what's happened there. Um, but we have to, you know, look, Hamas has to be annihilated. There's no question about it. But Hamas has to be annihilated. I've been giving this a lot of thought speak to a lot of very smart people, people way smarter than me, about the, the solution. And the solution is... is Yes, and Hamas has to be annihilated, but we have to get the two million Palestinian civilians out of there first. And and we have to, because if we don't, and I say we, mean the global world, the, the, the decent world. Um, because look, to me, Israel's worst enemies want more than nothing for Israel to blast, invade Gaza, annihilate Gaza. Let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. You're right about all this, and that's why Israel came out yesterday. And they have begged and pleaded 1.1 Palestinians, million, million to leave. And what is Hamas doing? Don't you dare. You stay in your homes because Hamas wants the Israelis to wipe them out. So the Israelis look bad on the world map. But to the Israeli credit, they've asked them to leave. 
Exactly, Sid. And that's exactly the play. Hamas doesn't want them to leave because if Israel goes and kills children and old women and innocent civilians, the, their righteousness argument that we have now in place for what these, what these animals did to the, the children and women and people, innocent civilians in, in Israel, um, goes by the wayside. It just goes away. So that's what they want. But yes, so, but, but what have, Egypt has to open its borders. That's the bottom line. They've got to go somewhere. They have to go somewhere. But Hamas doesn't have enough people, Sid. To, and I spoke to intelligence people on this yesterday. They do not have enough people to hold 1.1 million or 2 million Palestinians in the borders. They just don't have enough people to do that. They think it's red people and scare people. But, you know, it has to be done because you can't be in a situation where you're no better than they are. And, and, and going in there and blasting and killing innocent people is going to be that situation. But on the other hand, this is the end as far yeah. as I'm If I were an yeah. Israeli or part of the Israeli government, yeah. there's no more you know, trying to work this out. No. These, these, these are terrorists, terrorists in the first degree. This is not, you know, when you, when you, I, I can't even talk about some of the idiots I've seen make arguments, arguments that this should be, you know, this is okay for it to be, I think you said it was Ron Kuby. Yeah. I mean, typical, right? I mean, just absolutely typical. Garbage. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting arguments to make. But, yeah. but, you know, when you, when you think about really, um, what's going on here, this is not, this is not, you know, one side of the story and the other side of the story. This is, Killing innocent human beings—it's not right. an act of war; it's an act of terrorism. That's an it. act of war is a planned, premeditated, you know, strike attack where you try to minimize the civilian casualties. You have right. to. That's that's the law. Um, this is not our, our, an act of war. Yeah. These are these are pure terrorists and cowards. By the way, cowards. You know, go to an Israeli military camp with your with your guns and see how that worked out. But right. no, they went to a, a nightclub where kids were. They took babies, beheaded young eight-year-old children. I think it's not even. It's not even almost real, but it's so disgustingly real that it's, it's, it's horrible. And, and we have to do something, but we just can't fall into the booby trap that the Palestinians and the pro-Palestinians want, which is Israel will slaughter individuals who are innocent, who are children, who are young. So something has to be done. And I think, by the way, Egypt has to do its job there. You know, they have to chip in because Egypt has to open those borders to give safe passage. Because if they don't do that, where are they going to go? I mean, where are they going to go? You know, um, so it's 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 a horrible thing, and I know you've been dealing with this a lot. You've had amazing guests on that really have. Well, thank you, but I, it's something yeah, that's important you. to me. No, of course, and uh, dealt with it all week. I mean, I came in Monday morning and went live to Jerusalem, and it's been uh, five days. I mean, if I tell you, Joseph, I'm exhausted. Uh, not only because yeah. I got up at three o'clock in the morning, but the content on this show for twenty hours this week has been grueling. It really has. So I enjoyed this conversation, little Rangers, little Columbus Day. We got serious, but a lot of it was fun, and I love you to pieces. Congratulations on this big award you're getting. Very deserved tomorrow night at Georgetown University. And you keep doing what you're doing, Joe Tacopini. You're the best. And we will do this again next week, buddy. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. My man, Joseph Tacopina. Best defense attorney in the country. Friend of mine for 46 years, and uh, Monday was fun. I get a, a big thrill out of doing stuff with Tack. Folks, we're not nearly done. The fourth and final hour of the week is going to be a great one. We're going to go live to Arizona. My friend Carrie Lake is now running for Senate. She's been endorsed this week by both President Trump and Sid Rosenberg. She was live in studio not that long ago. Carrie Lake, but first, we go back to Jerusalem. Alex Trayman. JNS.org is standing by a live hit in Jerusalem coming up after Billy Idol and the news. Flesh. Flesh
Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Let's uh, go back to Jerusalem. Alex Trayman, JNS.org, has been incredibly courageous all week. He's done great work on both Noam Layden's show at 5 o'clock in the morning and, of course, New York's number one show. That's us. Alex, uh, first of all, thank you for your work all week long. It was so valuable. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Sid. You got it, pal. Give me, uh, Give me the latest, I guess. You know, here's the difference right here, folks, between the Israelis and these animals, Hamas. So Israel's about to open up a huge can of whoop-ass on Hamas, which I'm happy about. So Israel goes and says to these 1.1 million people, get out of there, head south, because it's going to get ugly. And Hamas, they go, don't go anywhere, stay home, because Hamas would love to see their people get blown up and killed so they've got more ammunition to fight back with uh, publicly against the Israelis. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable contrast, no? Uh, you said it. Uh, Israel gave uh, notice for people to leave the northern sections of the Gaza Strip. They gave them the line which they should cross down into and which they'll be safe. And Hamas has told them uh, to stay in their homes and not to, not to accept the propaganda, disinformation of the of the IDF. Um, and uh, this is this is what Hamas does. On the one hand, we see, you know, the Obama, the Obama Israeli military targets that they can move past and kill as many civilians as possible. And here they hide among civilians, and they want to increase the number of civilian casualties on their side because they don't value human life. No, they don't. Uh, they've also said, I believe I saw this morning, and uh, maybe you can confirm it or deny it. Alex Trayman again live in, in Jerusalem. Hamas is claiming that the Israelis that are bombing the last couple of days have now killed 13 of the hostages. Uh, do we have any any confirmation of that? Well, this is a Hamas statement, and there's there's no confirmation of that. Uh, you know, the numbers coming out of Gaza with regard to the number of killed or wounded. There's no real way to to accurately determine if those are if those are the real numbers, uh, and we don't really have that information yet as to if the 13 hostages had been killed. Um, you know, that's a risk that Israel has to take. Israel cannot be held hostage by these hostages right now. Uh, you know, what we have to do is make sure, what Israel has to do is to make sure that uh, Hamas can never carry out an attack like this again. Bottom line, I mean, it's uh, neither, neither you or I are insensitive. We're good people, Alex. And I know Israel values every life. Again, I, I just mentioned last segment, they traded one soldier for a 1,000. But they're not going to allow 150 hostages to dictate how they run this war. They want to annihilate and wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. And as horrible as this sounds, if those hostages end up being casualties of war, folks, they're going to do it. Bottom line, yes? Yeah, I was just, just 
speaking to a friend of mine who uh, served in in Gaza. You know, he's a little bit older than the reservist age now, but he served in Gaza and he was a sniper. And he told me that in the army that there is a rule, and the rule is that if you see a hostage being taken, and you're not in a position where you can kill the hostage taker. You kill the hostage because the worst thing that there could be is a hostage situation, um, and you know, so we. That that's the that's the discipline of the Israeli army, and of course everybody wants the hostages back, um, and they'll take every effort to do so. But but you know, risking the lives of additional Israeli soldiers uh, in a booby-trapped urban urban environment in, in the Gaza Strip. Um, you know, we just can't let, unfortunately, Israel cannot let the, the hostage situation dictate uh, whether or not it meets its, its military objectives. Alex, talk to me about this, um, this bombing that's about to take place and why the Israelis are uh, giving these uh, Palestinians a chance to leave. I mean, what are they targeting? How, I mean, how, how much are they getting ready to bomb? It sounds like it's going to be a huge effort. Well, they've bombed a lot already. There's been hundreds of uh, of targets hit inside the northern Gaza Strip uh, since Israel started its reprisals uh, already on Sunday, um, and yet they're they're going to continue to to hit. They're they're going after the heads of all the Hamas leadership. Uh, they are using um, all kinds of intelligence and uh, facial recognition to to find the people that committed the heinous attacks. Uh, on Saturday and to take all of them out to use uh, surveillance um, and technology to identify who the contacts are on social media and they're reading social media messages and they're generating targets in real time. And in addition to that, you know that Hamas hides its uh, military infrastructures in civilian areas, uh, including in mosques, including in hospitals, including in schools. Uh, They're still firing rockets to to this moment. Uh, So there, there are a lot of targets that uh, Israel has identified and continues to identify new targets in real time, and they're hitting them as hard as they can. Wow. So I know yesterday was um, pretty quiet compared to the five or six days before, but I think I heard you say earlier that uh, this morning, like you just talked about, more rockets. Is that Hamas and Hezbollah from Lebanon or just Hamas? Assistant from Hamas so far, the, the... Lebanon border hasn't heated up so much. There was, you know, a little bit of the testing of the waters a few days ago, but the northern border has been so far uh, quiet, and I think that that might have something to do uh, with uh, the American presence coming over, especially the the aircraft carrier uh, and Anthony Blinken and, and Lloyd Austin here now. Um, you know, they're doing everything that they can to try to keep uh, Hezbollah out of the war. And, and it does seem as though Israel would really prefer to be fighting uh, only one front at a time. Um, and it will be up to Israel to, to do such damage against Hamas and Gaza that they, they will recreate deterrence that's been long lost uh, also in southern Lebanon, that the Lebanese also have to understand that if they come into this war, that uh, southern Lebanon will will turn into the the situation that Gaza is in right now. Alex Trayman, once again, live in Jerusalem. He's been uh, great with us all week long. So hundreds of thousands of Israeli soldiers, 300,000, 600,000, not even sure at this point. But uh, we've been told they are ready to go. The ground incursion is just moments away. And now, talking to people, I'm hearing... Well, I'm not sure if that's the case. So what do you think happens with these boots on the ground? 
Well, I think that they're going to wait until they, they do the bombings uh, in the northern Gaza Strip. And, and once they, they've hit all the targets that they, they intend to hit, I do think they were going to start to see a ground incursion. From every indication that I have from, from soldiers on the ground who have been able to contact uh, their friends and family members uh, sporadically over the last several days as they're staging uh, for a potential incursion, you know, all indications are that they, they are going to move ahead and that they're preparing for an incursion that could last anywhere is from a month or longer. Um, so we just have to get the, we have to get the official word. Um, and until that happens, the, the IDF's not going to tip off what it plans on doing. So it looks like the Americans are finally admitting we are, that Iran was involved in this. You know, that first Biden um, press conference, which I thought was weak and lousy, he never mentioned Iran. But now it looks like Blinken and others are starting to talk about Iran. Of course, they're blaming Donald Trump for the $6 billion, which has nothing to do with these attacks. But um, on a bigger level, he's mentioned the fact that the Secretary of State Blinken is there, Lloyd Austin. He arrived there this morning. Joe Biden spoke a couple of days ago. How do Israelis feel? about the Biden administration and how they've handled this thus far? Well, the shows of support so far have been very, very strong. But the key question and the most important uh, strategic element here is how long will the American backing last? You know, you, you could see Anthony Blinken was visibly shaken by the, by the pictures and the, and the videos that he saw uh, of the massacre that took place on Saturday. And right now, the United States is, is standing behind uh, their ally in a strong way. But you also heard uh, him say uh, in his comments at the press conference with Netanyahu that uh, democracies handle themselves differently and they expect a, uh, they expect a, a reprisal to be fair uh, and to do what they can to avoid civilian casualties, um, you know, which is not something it's not it's not something that's uh held you know Hamas is not held to that same standard so really the question is you know in a week from now after Israel has significantly bombed the Gaza strip and the death toll rises and the international media we already see the United Nations uh asking the IDF to rescind its evacuation order and we're already hearing uh you know claims that that the siege that Israel has on the strip which is not a complete siege because we don't control one of the borders uh is a violation of international law uh and that we're committing war crimes so the question is when the pressure builds up and the death tolls in the Gaza Strip build up, will America give Israel the support it needs to keep going and continue its operation until the strategic military objectives are met? On the way out, Alex, you're in Jerusalem. I'm in New York City. I know you know the city very well. I came to work this morning, but I, I did not come to work without speaking to the mayor, Eric Adams, and the police commissioner, Eddie Caban, more than once the last couple of days, because when that Hamas leader went on Twitter, and called for today, this day right now, to be a, a jihad a day, a global jihad day, a day of rage. I know, Alex, I know those folks are here. There's no doubt in my mind nine of the terrorist countries have uh, they've escaped thousands and thousands, all the illegals and migrants we've got here. You'd be stupid to think they're not here already. So I'm taking this threat very, very seriously. I came to work, but i got to tell you, I was a little nervous. It's got to be intensified by a 100 in Israel today. Is that the case? 
Absolutely. You know, I was at my home, which is right on the seam line, really, between the Jewish and the Arab neighborhoods and the eastern sections of Jerusalem. Uh, and from the mosque, you had blaring for, for 20 minutes, um, you know, the, a, a sermon, so to speak, uh, from the mosque after the, after the morning service, um, volume raised. The whole purpose of that is for everybody to hear, not just the Arabs, but also the Jews. You know, I don't speak fluent Arabic, but it doesn't take much to know when you hear Yahud, Yahud, uh, and the volume raised and the yelling, that they're not uh, talking about taking responsibility for what they did on Saturday. Uh, they, are, they are talking about inciting their population uh, to, to violence. But I think that the point that you mentioned in the beginning is the most important, that this is not a Hamas jihad. This is a global jihad. Hamas is just one of the strong players here, but this is a global jihad that, that includes many, many different uh, terror organizations in many different countries. And the jihad has also infected uh, the academia in the United States, the universities, and even to a certain extent, the Congress, uh, which is very, very scary, and, and not just America, but in other democracies around the world as well. Oh, you just know that, listen, uh, do me a favor, please stay safe. I know Chavez is coming up tonight, and and tomorrow, and uh, we're about a week away now from the original atrocities. So thank you very, very much, Alex, for your great work this week. Please stay, uh, stay safe, have a good Shabbos, and hopefully we'll talk again on Monday. How does that sound? Thanks so much, Sid. I appreciate it. All right, Alex. God bless you. Alex Treyman right there from the uh, Jewish News Syndicate. And once again, every time I bring him on, he's so great. I must thank Noam Layden because it was Noam Layden who uh, had him on on Monday. Said, Sid, what do you think? I said, he's great. And he's been on ever since. So thank you, Noam. This is the long distance call. The way the camera follows us in slow-mo. The way we look to us all. The way we look to a distant constellation that's dying in a corner of the sky. These are the days of miracle and wonder. And don't cry, baby, don't cry, don't cry. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Hello, Arizona. I love Arizona. It's great to be with you tonight and with your next United States Senator, Carrie Lake. I wish I could be there with everyone, but I'm busy on the campaign trail and fighting off all of the bad people. And we're running for president. We're doing really well. We're leading every poll by a lot. In fact, record numbers. And when I'm back in the White House, I need strong fighters like Carrie in the Senate. She is a fighter. She's strong and she's good. She's got a great heart, by the way. For four incredible years, my administration brought historic peace and prosperity to America. And in three awful years, Crooked Joe Biden has sent our nation on a tragedy to hell. He's the worst president we've ever had. He's the most corrupt president we've ever had. And he's the most incompetent president we've ever had. I'm running to reverse this decline, and I'm winning because every day more and more Americans are waking up to what an utter disaster the Democrats are for America. In 2024, I will return to the White House and get our country back on track to undo the damage that Biden and the radical Democrats have done. Republicans must win, and we must win very, very big. It's much harder for them to cheat 
if we do it like we should, if we swamp them, we're going to swamp them. When we get enough votes, they can't cheat because they can't cheat that badly. I will need a majority in the House and in the Senate. We have to have a big, strong majority to help me push our America First agenda through and to push it through really fast. That starts right here tonight by helping Carrie Lake win in Arizona, and she will win, too. She's an amazing woman, respected by everybody. Carrie is one of the toughest fighters in our movement, and I am proud to give her my complete and total endorsement for the United States Senate. She is very special. With people like Carrie fighting for Arizona in the Senate, with me in the White House, we will make America great again. So God bless you. God bless Arizona. And Carrie, God bless you. You're in a Amazing journey, and you're going to win. And we love you very much, and it's an honor to endorse you. Thank you very much, Carrie. Thank you very much, everybody. All my life I've been searching for something. Something never comes, never leads to nothing. Nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, I dream of the day when it comes around and it's taken away. That's <laughs> some good stuff right there, my guy, President Trump. I mean, he, you know, he comes on, he's very nice to me, he calls me number one Sid, which is very flattering, but never got an endorsement like that. I do want to um, alert my audience that as the next Arizona senator and the author of the great book Unafraid, just getting started, which was signed to me, quote, to Sid, my favorite New York hitman, before President Trump even endorsed Carrie Lake. They've been friends for years. years. I think I'm going to take a little credit here for convincing Carrie to do this. After she got jobbed, I mean, cheated, crooked, all of it, because she won the gubernatorial and they stole it from her. We had to get Carrie Lake back in some office capacity. And now she is running for senator. She's got Trump's endorsement. She's got Sid Rosenberg's endorsement. She's going to win. And she's joining me live right now from Arizona. Carrie Lake, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Good morning, New York. Yes, I do give you credit. Really? For all of it. (laughs) 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 It's like the crack of dawn here in Arizona. And there's very few people that I'll set my alarm super early for and get two hours of sleep to come on your show. Uh, That's true. So um, thanks. Yeah, that was an exciting night. I mean, I, I, you know, President Trump and I are friends. I'm, I'm a huge supporter of his because my life was better. My children's life, lives were better. All of our lives were better. And I'm honored to have become friends with him. And when he um, endorsed me, I was just blown away. I, I mean, I, I figured it would come, but I didn't think he would endorse me the minute I stepped into the arena. And I'm so I'm really honored to have it. Not just an endorsement. I mean, he went on and on. It was a... I've seen him endorse people before. This was one of the most enthusiastic. And I know you were just in uh, New Jersey over the summer, Bedminster, for the uh, the book party with Sergio. And and, uh, he was very nice to you there, too. So I'm not surprised. But it was a beautiful endorsement. And I guess guess the real question is, and every time I talk to a politician, they go, well, Sid, I don't run these races to lose. I understand that. I get it. Everybody thinks they're going to win, even folks like Fat Chris Christie, who has no chance. But honestly, Carrie Lake, <laughs> are we going to win think... in Arizona or what? Yes, yes. I mean, here's 
here's the deal. You know how successful our campaign was last time. It was a massive movement. Obviously, on Election Day, um, there were some major problems. They ran the election in a, in a terrible way, and everyone saw what happened. I mean, you know, everyone across the country saw what happened. But this time around, we're going to have even more people. As President Trump said in that endorsement, we are going to swamp them. And it's going to be really, really hard for them to um, slow what's coming in November of 24, because the people, people who've never voted before, people who only vote every once in a while, they are going to pour out and vote because things are so bad right now. And I hate to say it, they're going to get worse in the next year that I don't think that there's anything they can do to affect uh, and slow the results. I agree with you. Yep. There'll be more people out, yep. and then we're going to get to work, and we're going to have our hands full because Joe Biden has led us directly off a cliff. Mm. And there's one person, I, I believe, who can quickly get in there and turn this around, and it's President Trump, and he's going to need backup in the U.S. Senate, and I'm going to be there to back him up. I'll be the most pro-America senator we've ever seen. Oh, I know you will be. Um, well, let me get to your state before we start talking about Trump and, and the whole country. Uh, we have like a billion illegals here in New York. And as you know, uh, this Hamas maniac, whoever he is, he labeled today as Global Jihad Day. So whether you're in, you know, London or, or Israel or New York, go kill the Jews, you know. And um, I'm not terrified. I don't operate that way. Like you said, I look like a hitman anyway. So I act like a tough guy. But but certainly I'm nervous. I am, you know, because I know how many of these people are here. I know they've infiltrated from the biggest terrorist countries in the world, above and beyond the illegals from Venezuela and South America. I mean, bad people from from Turkey and from Afghanistan and Yemen. They're here. You know, Hamas people. Oh, I know that. OK. Um, but your state, uh, much like mine, is worse because you've got the borders, you've got the cartel. So tell me how much work you need to do just in Arizona alone to fix that. Well, you're everyone's worried. You're right. I mean, and I don't, I don't live in a in a state of fear, but I'm very nervous about what's happening. It's not a matter of if we're going to be attacked at some point. It's when, because we have millions of people pouring across, and Arizona is. Right where they're coming across, Lukeville, Arizona, just saw a video, thousands of people pouring across. Right. I heard the left saying, oh, they're refugees, they're, they're asylum seekers. When you're seeking asylum from a war-torn country, you're coming with your wife and children. These are fighting-age men. They're not being vetted. And it's only a matter of time. Will it be today? Will it be tomorrow? It's happening at some point because no one's being vetted under this disastrous Biden border. And how quickly can we fix it? Um, Day one, hour one, minute one, President Trump is going to immediately reverse the the policies that Joe Biden has put in place, which are really no policies. He's going to start enforcing the laws on the book, and he's going to finish that wall. He says we can finish it in three weeks. I, I believe him, three weeks to a few months. We can finish that wall, get serious about stopping people. And the fastest way to stop it is to have our leader, which is not going to be Biden because he's weak, he's feeble, to have a president stand up and say, don't come. Our border's not open anymore. You're not welcome. We will turn you back around. You will not be able to stay. That's the most humanitarian, by the way. You've got people coming across this border, children being trafficked. Then they come here, many of them who – 
who don't mean us harm, who do want to come here for work, are indentured servants to the cartels. It's absolutely horrific what's happening on our border. Arizona is a key state. It is, I believe, well, I believe it's the most important state, but it's really, truly one of the most important states. And we have a chance to pick up a U.S. Senate seat and get the Senate in the hands of the Republicans so we can back up President Trump's agenda to turn this thing around. Right. Not just any Republican, mind you, the great Carrie Lake, the effing great Carrie Lake. Thank you. Uh, I want to move to the House for one second. You know, I'm friends with Nancy Mace, too, and um, I don't like what she did. I don't like what Gates did. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. That's fine. I thought Kevin McCarthy was fine. I really do. And uh, this is the worst time for chaos. We just don't need it. And now they're the same people that got rid of Kevin. They did a job on my good friend Steve Scalise, too, with this nonsense that he had this meeting 21 years ago with a bunch of white supremacists. So they want Jim Jordan. They're going to get him. My fear, Carrie Lake, is, and I love Jim. I love him. Been on the show a million times. He is a great congressman. If you really think that Jim Jordan is going to be a big difference in Kevin McCarthy, I think you're nuts. But it looks like that's the way they're going to go. I don't like what they did to Scalise. What about you? Oh, you know, we have a lot of great Republicans. I, and I'll take a Republican any day of the week. Um, my, my only concern with what happened, it, here, let me, let me backtrack a little bit back to McCarthy. You know, the reason they did that is he made some promises. He didn't keep them. And I think there's, there's people who are saying, look, we told the American people, if you don't keep your promises, we're going to do this. And now you're making us a liar. And that's a difficult place to be in when you're a, a patriotic um, fighter in the in the Congress. So my concern, though, is we have we've got the goods on Biden. The guy is is a disaster. He's sold us out. They've got the proof of it. They're about to start going after and really revealing all of this. And now we're, we're sidetracked on that. I want to get down to business and show the people what Biden has done. And they were on the verge of doing that. And now we're not talking about that anymore. We're not talking about his deals he made and the money he took and the bribes his family took. We're not talking about the border and we're not investigating what happened during COVID. Yeah. All of the things we need to be doing, we're not doing. Well, but, but, in, all, but, 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 in, but in all fairness, Carrie, because I hate Biden, I hate him. And I think he's guilty of everything you do and everything the House Republicans are going to nail him on. But the truth is, it's a little selfish of us. Israel needs them. Now, when I say needs them, look, that was one of the most pathetic, feckless, weak speeches I've ever seen three days ago. I mean, the fact that he supports Israel, you want a medal for that? He never mentioned Iran. He never, the toughest word he used was don't, which is really pathetic. Now you got Blinken there. He's talking about restraint. You got, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Lou, uh, Lloyd Austin. He's a complete waste. What him and Millie did in Afghanistan, they should be put in prison. So while the Israeli people, uh, actually need Biden or, or, let me better, an American president right now, between yeah. all of them, they've done nothing right. Not one thing. Am I wrong? You're absolutely right. The Israeli people need us and they've got a guy in Joe Biden who I, I believe is, is to blame for a lot of this. You know, he's the one that has absolutely the weakest uh, foreign policy we've ever seen. And you almost think it's by design. Why would somebody be this weak when they're the leader of of the superpower? uh, By the way, listen, he was Obama's vice president and nobody delivers a speech like Obama. But he was the most feckless. This guy, you know, they they bomb uh, 
uh, a concert in, in Paris that they did in Israel, and you go, please show restraint. He was the worst, and they worked together. Yeah. So they're very similar. Well, and they're the, the disastrous Iran deal. They sent, remember, pallets of cash to the Middle East to sponsor terror. Joe Biden, you know, freed up $8 billion for Iran last month. His his uh, loosening of sanctions allowed Iran to put $80 billion to $100 billion to make 80 to $100 billion. And you know that money is going to um, you know, support terrorists around the globe. So this is this is Joe Biden's fault. A lot of it is, and I don't know what, what how Israel Israel feels about him, but I'm telling you how Americans feel about him. They think he's weak. They know we have to go in a different direction, and this is one of the reasons I'm running because the two people running for U.S. Senate in Arizona, weak weak people. Kirsten Cinema is is a is very liberal and. So is the uh, Democrat running Gallego. This guy wants to let everybody coming in illegally vote. She's for giving everybody asylum and amnesty. And they absolutely rubber stamp everything Joe Biden does. He voted. Gallego voted for the Iran deal. Joe Biden's Iran deal. And neither of them said a peep when he freed up that $8 billion that we know went to Hamas to plan these attacks. They didn't say a peep about it. Mm. They sat there in silence. They should resign for doing that. I'm, in a, I'm going to run against them. I'm going to beat them. And we're going to get somebody representing the great state of Arizona in Washington, D.C., who finally puts Arizonans first and America first and supports our allies like Israel. I'm going to wrap this up with you in a minute, talking about your days. I love what you just said. But I want to go back to Trump for a second, because... He said something yesterday which was 1,000% correct and factual. He said that Hamas and Hezbollah outsmarted Israel, and they're smart, and he's right. He said that Netanyahu should be taken to task for getting caught flat-footed. He's right. In fact, Netanyahu, I like very much, is going to lose his job, bottom line. So there was nothing that President Trump said yesterday that wasn't factual, just like when he's called Vladimir Putin smart in the past. Of course Putin's smart. So was Hitler, and I'm a Jew. Stop. But you know what happens. Joe and Mika go on the air. They go, oh, Trump loves the enemy. Trump loves the bad guys. No, he doesn't. He's calling out failures from folks who usually don't fail. But you know he's getting killed. So was he in artful? She have waited a couple of days. I think he was right. But my friend's saying to me, you should have waited. Well, I think everyone knows exactly what he means. You know, the the way the planning that went into this, it's, I, I think maybe the better word may have been diabolical. But it takes some planning. And it takes some help. And they got help from Biden. And what we do know for a fact, and the people who are trying to twist this, they've got nothing else. To, they're trying to blame Trump for something that the, they want to get off the fact. They don't want to have to say Biden screwed up. Biden made this worse. Biden's partially to blame. They don't want to have to say that. Can you imagine Mika saying Biden screwed up and Biden made this worse? So they go, how can we blame Trump? It's really gross when you see Republicans doing that, by the way. And I have seen that over yeah. the past day. But we, the fact of the matter is this would have never happened under President Trump. Agreed. Biden has made the world more dangerous. Yes. He's made our allies less safe. He's made America less safe. We're bracing for impact here in America. We know it's going to happen. And no one did a better job at destroying terrorists than President Trump. Literally, he destroyed terrorists. He decimated ISIS, and our enemies feared us. 
and the world was safer because of it. Oh, true. And now we have a guy who, um, whenever he steps out on a world stage, I literally cringe. I say, what disaster is going to happen now? What's he going to do? How's he going to screw this up? And, and we're, we're, too, um, we're too consequential of times right now to have this feeble fool, Joe Biden, at the helm. Agreed. We don't have time to have this time in our history bungled. We got to get somebody in there who understands how to make it happen on the world stage. And I believe that's President Trump. I know he's going to get to work immediately. And I know my life was better four years ago and everybody else's was. No doubt. No doubt. The inflation rate, there's not a separate inflation rate for Democrats and one for Republicans and independents. You know, we're all suffering through this. And, and by the, when, when people finally realize, oh, wow, that vote that I cast in November is really going to impact my present day and my future. I think they're going to vote wholeheartedly for President Trump and, and for me here in Arizona. So in the next uh, 30 seconds, you've got to wrap this up. You're brilliant, and I love you, but we've got to go at some point. So uh, tell me, what is your what do your next couple of weeks look like now? Now that you've officially announced you're running for Senate, you've been endorsed by Trump and Sid, look at you. What, the, what, <laughs> well, is in, what does it look like next couple of weeks? I feel like I haven't stopped moving and going for the last, you know, since June 1st of uh, 21 when I announced for governor. I don't do anything half-assed. And so I hit the ground running every day and we just go, go, go. I don't want any wasted time. We're, we Obviously, we have to fundraise. I'm asking your listeners to go to carrylake.com, K-A-R-I-L-A-K-E.com. If you can afford to throw $10 um, in the coffer, that would help. Um, we're, they're telling me my experts <laughs> are telling me it's going to be a $300 million race this, to us uh, here in Arizona for the U.S. Senate seat. Oof. It's a three-way race. It's historic. I have to go against these people. Their money's coming from the billionaire class, the yep. globalists, yep. the communists, you name it. And so I've got, I've got to be able to fight them. I need help on that. If, if um, you want to sign up for our, our um, emails and all of that and find out what you can, how you can get involved, that would be great, too. But we're going okay. to be talking to the voters of Arizona. They already know me, and they know that I'm going to fight for them. I'm a proven fighter. I don't give up, and we are not going to surrender this hill. We're on the last hill, and we're tired of weak politicians some of them with R's behind their name, all of them with D's behind their name, who have surrendered every single hill. And now they've left us on the last hill. And this is a uh, a battle we can't lose. $300 million. Tell Sergio Gore you want to write another book. Uh, listen, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're an American hero. You are. You're, you're a legend and uh, a treasure. And I agree with everything President Trump said about you. I feel the same exact way. CarrieLake.com. That's how we help my friend Carrie win in Arizona. CarrieLake.com. Carrie, as always, great job. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sid. We love you. We love New York. Thank you so much. We love much. you, too. We love you, too. Carrie Lake, ladies and gentlemen. CarrieLake.com. Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> See, I don't want to do this, but Lou told me I have to. Read this text that Carrie Lake just sent me after the interview. Well, I, I don't want to do it. Let's go. I want you to do this. She says, thank you, Sid. You're so awesome to have me on your great show. <laughs> and what a great interviewer. Truly one of the best, Carrie. I told you we should have done it, Justin. See? <laughs> How great is that? You guys hate it one night. And I get these things all the time, and you hate it. Well, that's you... all, We know that's a lie because you never do anything we tell you to do. That's true. So. But she did send the message. That's not a lie. No. Uh, Listen, this was a very, very tough week, all kidding aside. And um, the content was very, very heavy. 
And you guys were extraordinary. I mean that sincerely. Extraordinary. All of you guys have beautiful hearts. Uh, Lou Rafino, thank you for a great week, as always. Uh, Justin, I'm very proud of you. And I know you're a Jewish boy, and you took this very seriously last weekend. We spoke. It hit you hard. You were terrific. And Noam Layden, Noam, I, I got to tell you, this week, you know, getting us Alex Tremaine and getting us uh, the other lady, too. I, I've forgotten her name. I'm sorry. Uh, Caroline Glick. Yes. And the shows that you did every morning, which I listened to every minute for the whole hour because it helped me do my show. If there was an award to give out for this week, you would get it. I think Thank you're you. right. Yeah, I'd accept that award. I rubbed up on you. I oh rubbed up on it. He said, I think show, I, I rubbed off on him. It's yeah. bad. I know. Now two of you. Yeah, he would never say that. Two years ago, no. he'd be like, oh, thank you very much, Len. Sure. Thank you very much, Michael. I was like, no, you're right. I'm no, no, I think it was a week of award-winning shows, if I had to say so myself. Well, I agree. You're all great. I love you all very much. Um, and, of course, all of you folks here in New York. Be safe. This day is not over yet, so make sure you have eyes behind your head. Brian Kamid is coming up next. God willing, as Gene would say. We'll all be back for a Monday show at 6 a.m. So until then, from all of us on Sid and Friends in the Morning to all of you, I leave you with these three words. Pray for Israel.